is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Haas and Remo with you for the next couple hours. And uh, we got a lot to get to. Last night's game, let's just say this. This first period set the bar the lowest for a 20-minute performance by the hockey club. Hopefully we don't get back there for the remainder of the regular season. We will discuss the start, the way the game finished up, and of course... The real focus is on tomorrow night, Hockey Night in Canada, the Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs down at Canada Life Centre. We will discuss both teams with TSN hockey analyst and host of First Up in Toronto on TSN 1050, longtime NHLer Carly, uh, Carlo Koliakovo. We'll also bring in our guy Brandon Rewicki for his thoughts on the Jets through the first week of the season from Skates and Plates. And then a little later on, Get ready for the weekend in the National Football League and discuss that big Christian McCaffrey trade last night with the legend himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. And it's Friday. You know what that means, folks? It is time for marbles. And we'll do that just before the end of the program. Uh, welcome to everyone with us. Shout out to you podcast listeners. Thanks so much for making us a part of your day. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let them know how they can find us. And if you haven't already checked us out on our YouTube channel, Head on over to YouTube. It's Winnipeg Sports Talk, and you can uh, hit that subscribe button. And when you uh, are on YouTube, you get our freshest content with the full features of the video production of one Michael Remus on our daily show. And shout out to everyone that's with us right now on YouTube. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. Hit that red subscribe button and uh, join us daily, 1 p.m. Monday to Friday, right here on WST. Uh, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Not Auto Corp, as well as Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club Whiskey, Culligan Water, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, and of course, the boys down at Royal Sports. Speaking of Royal Sports... We've got a jersey schedule from the Winnipeg Jets uh, that was just dropped. We'll let you know when they're wearing the reverse retros, as well as the Heritage Blues. And one of those Heritage Blues games will be tomorrow night when the Toronto Maple Leafs come to town after their overtime win last night over the Dallas Stars. All right, let's get to it. Uh, lots to unpack from last night's ugly start and 5-2 loss in Las Vegas. Michael Remus joins the program now. Remo, what, uh, what's up? What did you think of that game yeah. last night? I'm just thinking a lot about time zones and back-to-back. -back. I don't know if you knew this, Huss. I said it at the end of the show I yesterday. I said it three games in a row in a different time zone, and it sure looked like it to start in that first period. Um, looked like they were playing at about midnight central time because or uh, what was it, 9 central time, 7, seven there. Um, back to backs, the no, deck you don't stacked talk against about that. the Jets. All, like, like, you, you're like, just is, leave right now. All those excuses are banned on get, Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've heard enough about time zones and back to backs <laughs> for the last number of years. Here, you can take you can take those narratives down to South Florida. Um, look, it was a disaster. I mean, as I tweeted out last night, good lord, what a horror show for the first period. Uh, full disclosure. I was picking up a pizza and listening to the first five minutes of the game on as I uh, got back home, and it was already 2 nothing. And 
Those were the goals that, you know, were at least somewhat legit, although totally, I mean, when you go back and look at them, completely self-inflicted by turnovers, sloppy play, and very, very suboptimal puck management, which is an issue for the Winnipeg Jets when they're not playing fast and when they are, um, when they're having problems. Scott O'Neill said itself, and we'll hear from the coach in a minute, they just were not ready to play. And yeah, was it a tough point in the schedule? Absolutely. Had they just had a tough extra time win over the Avalanche the night before, for sure. But I mean, this is why I always, always love Barry Trotz and what Barry Trotz is, uh, his message. Um, you know, you can't make excuses. Teams go through that all throughout the season. It happens to everyone. It happened to the New York Rangers when the Winnipeg Jets had their home opener. And, um, you know, you just need to be more prepared and you need to be better and you can't start like that. And unfortunately, it was an absolute nightmare of a first period for the hockey club as well as Dave Riddick, big save Dave, who uh, did not make many big saves early on. But to be honest with you, they put him in an absolutely terrible position. I know there was tons of discourse about Eric Comrie and the mismanagement of the assets. I don't care if Connor Hellebuck was in last night. Uh, the way the Jets played in the first period, they weren't going to win that hockey game. Um, but I will say this, the unfortunate third goal off of Brendan Dillon's skates, I think really, really kind of put it almost out of reach. And then um, I'm not sure what Neil Pionk was thinking, passing it back to David Riddick, but uh, I can assure you that he didn't think that Riddick was going to follow that with a pass right to Jack Eichel and put that one back in the net. Um, I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it. That was a disaster of a first period. I We'll say this, though, and I mean, we'll hear from Nate Schmidt in a minute. I like the way that the team battled throughout the game to get try to get back into it. Um, you know, the last couple periods were, were pretty good. Now, I mean, again, but I'm not sure how intense the Vegas Golden Knights were on scoring goals when they were up 4-0. Uh, but those are some lessons that, uh, you know, are get learned the hard way. The team's 2-2 two and two coming back after the first four games in a pretty tough schedule. So certainly the situation could be much worse. Uh but I hope the team's a lot more ready to get going right out the gate tomorrow. And they're going to have to be against a very good Toronto Maple Leaf team. Yeah, I see a lot of people blaming David Riddick. I'm not going to say he played the best game. But I think on some of those goals, like, can you really... Well, you can fault him on the one that he assisted on Jack Eichel. That one, that one you can. But the one off Dylan Skate, that's... I mean, that's a tough break. The first one, Jack Eichel walks down, like, just down the middle of the ice, untouched on an odd man rush. Logan Stanley... Uh, tries to do a belly flop on the ice and doesn't intercept the pass. I see the Jets do this a lot. Um, uh, Pionk there, and now he may not have had a stick on that play, and you're kind of out of options there. But I don't really like the, you know, how, especially last year, how much a defenseman go down for a, for a dive. Get your stick in the lane, because you see them just pass it under you as you go down over and over again. So could Riddich have played a bit better? Yeah, but I think we can all agree, as you said, us. Jets did not show up for that first period. I don't know if it was time zones. I see someone in chat writing uh, the altitude and Denver affects your ability to recover, which I'm actually here for. I don't think that gets talked about enough. Or was it the Vegas flu? Husser, get in late. First time in Vegas. No, I, I have no idea. But either, either way, I think we can agree this other two periods are very solid. One thing I do want to take, I thought um, Axel Janssen, uh, Janssen Fjallby, I thought he looked good. Uh, so this guy has had a lot of chances. He can skate and carry the puck in. He is an absolute burner. I um, He's going to score. 
pretty soon if he gets uh, more opportunities. Thought he was going to last night. Was uh, second on the team in Corsi 4 percentage. Uh, so I, I think that was definitely a bright spot uh, there on the fourth line. I liked how he's looked so far. Well, and for sure. Okay, let's talk about the goaltending because, I mean, of course, I mean, the way things started, everyone's all over Dave Riddick. And, um, you know, I mean, look at the look at the first goal that Jack Eichel scored. I mean, is Connor Hellebuck saving that? I mean, maybe. I mean, Connor Hellebuck's a far better goalie than most others in the National Hockey. And you give him a chance to get those more often than not as opposed to everybody else. But that was... I mean, as perfect a scoring opportunity as you'll find in the National Hockey League. And if you put Jack Eichel all alone on the run in front of your goaltender at point-blank range, more often than not, he's going to score. I I will say this, and I mean, of course, Twitter was a disaster last night after it. I mean, the overreactions early in the season are not unique to Winnipeg or anywhere else. But I think it was very important for Riddick to bounce back in the second and third period and, and keep things reasonable. Um, you know, you have a terrible game. I mean, you give up seven shots on 19 or seven goals on 19 shots or something like that. There was no relief coming because you knew Hellebuck had just played last night, the night before you knew he was going in on Saturday. So Dave had to hang in there and uh, I thought he did. And, you know, he did make some nice saves uh, later on in the game to, uh, you know, prevent the lead from getting any worse and allowed the Jets to at least have the faint hope of coming back after they got one on Pierre-Luc Dubois' goal and then it popped in another one on the third period. But I think it's important for everyone not to overreact and judge somebody on one period of hockey. And um, listen, I'm not sitting here saying that David Riddick is going to bounce back and going to be a guy that's pushing Connor Hellebuck for more time. I just think that it is unreasonable, especially the way the Jets played in front of him, to say that this is that guy, he sucks, he's not going to be able to get the job done. I will remind you of many of your takes about Eric Comrie one year ago right now, going into the season, which is hilarious right now because half of my inbox was lamenting the fact that Eric Comrie wasn't a Winnipeg Jet anymore when I would say many of those folks, if I went into their timeline and backed it up a year ago, they were the same ones in here in this chat saying, Eric Comrie's not an NHL goalie and the team had completely fumbled the ball in making him the guy. And that was going to cost them this year. Um, And now of course, everyone misses Eric Comrie, who by the way, is playing his ass off right now and has back to back 40 save wins in Edmonton and Calgary. I do know one of the major topics last night was quote mismanagement of assets, which listen, I'm here for the discussion. The fact of the matter was the jets could have quite easily played Eric Comrie a little bit more down the stretch and had Eric Comrie as an RFA. I do sort of think that it was not in the plans to have a backup goalie making, you know, a more than a million dollars. Um, you know, I know you're saying he's not quite league minimum, but $900,000 is essentially pretty much bottom of the barrel. And I'm pretty sure that's what they had budgeted for a goaltender. Now, the other big part of this was that those conversations and when they had to make those decisions were at the beginning of summer Cap space was so important. Now, I know you'll say, well, they haven't done anything with that cap space. Granted, and I'm here for that argument. Um, But listen, I think Eric Comrie deserved the opportunity to go somewhere where he was going to play. I think in some ways, with what a good soldier he was for this team over the last few years, they were doing him right by that. And the other thing is that the way he played last year, he was going to be willing and he's going to be deserving a heck of a lot more than 900 grand. And I don't think that fit into the the Jets' problems. All of that being said, let's give Dave Riddick a few more a few more games. 
let's hopefully have the team help him out a little bit more than he did last night. And then I think we can have reason takes on whether this guy can get the job done because I don't think anyone can argue that he was not put in a position to succeed. It started off poorly. Obviously, there was that terrible pass to Jack Eichel on the fourth, for a fourth goal. Um, but much like I told all of you, hey, how about we give Eric Comrie a chance last year? I think despite the way the first period last night went, I think it's important that uh, maybe people pump the brakes a little bit, see what happens over the course of the next five, six times he gets in the net. And hopefully it'll be very different than the first period last night. But part of that, Remus, was that, um, you know, he did hang in there and the team hung in there. And as much as I'm not one to sit here and talk about all the good things that came out of a loss, I think in previous years that one might have gotten a lot uglier than it did last night. And um, I thought the team did show something in not quitting and pushing back and at least making it somewhat watchable right through to the end if uh, if you didn't turn it off and go to bed after the first period. Yeah, the first period, pretty rough. But there was definitely a push in the third. Um, you know, they made it close. I thought they had a couple chances to... You know, make it a one-goal game uh, late in the third. And I was kind of like, hey, you know, if they get one, you know, maybe you get some momentum going. Uh, wasn't really uh, the case in the end. And I do see people point out, hey, Aiden Hill on Vegas uh, didn't have his best game either. And with a couple more chances, maybe you get something on him. We do have to point out um, before the game, lineup change. Yes. Dil- Dylan Sandberg banged up, which led Logan Stanley uh, to be in the lineup, and we don't really know much more about the Sandberg injury. We'll have to get an update on that one tomorrow, but he wasn't in. And it is also worth noting, Stanley uh, didn't play too much in the third in the third period. Three shifts. Yeah, so uh, after playing a you know, pretty regular shift throughout the game. Um, and also Nikolai Ehlers, uh, another game without him in the lineup, and we're kind of unsure about uh, where that is. Well, I've got I've got a bad feeling about that, to be honest with you. And that's, you know, why don't we get into some of the post-game audio last night from uh, a couple of the players. And we'll hear from Scott Arneal in a minute. Um, but Nate Schmidt, uh, I thought was, you know, he, he said it right out. I mean, they stunk early on. And, um, you know, they did get it together. They didn't quit. But, I mean, that's... Uh, that's a lesson that veteran players should know, but sometimes you get reminded of it the hard way by an opponent like the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Schmidt met the media afterwards and um, just kind of talked about the game that started off so poorly for Winnipeg. Uh, like the last 40 minutes, a lot better. Just we're a little flat against a team that's historically been quick out of the gate. Just weren't ready to get our feet moving early and. And things happen quick, and all of a sudden it's four nothing. Does it make it tougher when there are a few self-inflicted wounds? I mean, we had self-inflicted wounds from from all over the rink. Um, it was just, you know, I I think we were pretty happy about ourselves last night, and didn't want to come on and play the same way to start the game. And uh, you know what? But our guys could have rolled over and made that game a lot worse. Um, so if you're going to take anything out of it, is just understand the consistency that you need to have early. And, and, you know, I thought, you know, the last two periods were good, but you're going to dig yourself a hole. That's hard to find out of. All right, so there's Nate Schmidt. Appreciate the honesty in the comments that uh, he had. Um, and again, the focus for a lot of people is probably on the 20 minutes, many of the first 20 minutes. Many people probably went to bed with the late game afterwards. Um, but I thought the Jets did show 
Certainly some fight, some commitment to be better, and they were better in the final 40 minutes. Here's what uh, Nate Schmidt thought about the second and third period after such a disaster in the first stanza. I just think it was, it's a personal ownership on, on uh, your D zone, on your, on, uh, helping on your goaltender, and understanding that it's just, it can't be that way. You know, if you're going to go and play that way, you, um, for two more periods, you're going to get embarrassed. So I thought our guys did a really good job of making sure that that wasn't the case. We're going to have to learn as a group here that you got to make sure you come into a road building like this that's, that's popping and, and you know this is a team that starts fast. You've got to be ready for it. All right, Nate Schmidt. Now I've got one more clip from Nate, and this, this is uh, Remus has put this in particularly because of what we've talked before. Uh, just Schmidt was asked if this was a tough spot because of the schedule, and I'm not sure whether this was actually part of the question, but of course Remus yeah. has put it in the notes because of the time zones yes. and back-to-back -back games. Here's what Schmidt had to say about that. I believe our group could have came in here and won this game. You know, I really do. And we showed that we could. We just have to start on time. That's what that's what that's what hurts. That's what hurts after the game is over. Is that you know that you play play a good a good forty minutes, but unfortunately, it's not a forty minute game. All right, there's Nate Schmidt. Uh, Remo, love the fact that did not jump at the bait in previous years. I mean, it was something. It was almost talked about before the games. I often referred to it as a self-fulfilling prophecy that oh, this is such a tough situation we're in, and then they got exactly what they had sort of talked about beforehand. And uh, I, for one, and I'm sure many people in the chat are definitely here for owning a tough performance, accepting the challenges in front of you, and not making excuses. I said that yesterday, leading into the game, us that. Uh... I, I said that it was back-to-back. -back. It was three time zones, but we hadn't heard the team mention it. It had been such a talking point for so many years and that they were a young team. We had heard it over, over, over and over again, and there was no excuses there. And they said, hey, we didn't bring it in the first period. We got to be better. And I think that they will be now that they've uh, come home. I mean, this... I know we don't want to talk about the schedule, but it is kind of a weird schedule. They don't have... a you know they're not really at home you play the one game you go out on the road you come home for two games and you go back out west where you just were um you know you just were this week next week they're going back to vegas la and arizona and then start of november they're home for you know two you got three games in two weeks at home before you go to calgary and seattle so i think they'll get a bit of a breather here at the end of the month but this is a bit of a i don't know if it's a grinder of a schedule, but <laughs> I find it interesting that they're playing Vegas this week and then going back. They couldn't spread out the two Vegas trips. What kind of scheduling is this? NHL, I, I right? I agreed on that. Both Vegas like, games in October one, was very disappointing. That's not fair to the fans. They want to make the trip to Vegas. You can't make them go twice in the same month. NHL schedule makers <laughs> put I'll one this, at the, the beginning. One, is, yeah, one at the beginning. One what in March or something? Come on, for sure. Uh, it it's a joke. Far, far better for traveling fans. Although, I believe the second game is the Halloween weekend. And yeah. you could be in Vegas uh, about 50 worse weekends over the course of the year than Halloween weekend. The only thing better might be a game on Super Bowl weekend and being able to take in uh, all of that. Maybe NCAA tournament, too, for people that like to spend 15 hours in a sports book and bet we it don't all need, We don't need the Thursday game. 
the Thursday, the two in the same month. Come on, they just screwed everyone. Uh, I agree. I wanted to do a little bit of maybe a WST trip yeah. down there, but we it couldn't. didn't seem like it was too early in the season to uh, make that all happen. Now, um, I know you've dropped in a whole bunch of uh, Mauriceisms from uh, back in the day. Um, we didn't get any of that from Scott Arneal. Uh, no excuses from the head coach, and uh, not very impressed with the way his team came out last night. Here's Arneal on uh, what happened last night in Sin City. We weren't really ready to go. Obviously, uh, real sloppy hockey. Um, you, you know, we knew that they knew we were played last night, and they were going to throw come out really hard and. You know, we didn't execute in any area, um, turn pucks over, you know, kind of all the stuff that we've been building on here. You know, how we were defending, how we were playing hard, how we were winning battles. We had none of that in that first period. And, you know, it's, you know, lesson learned that, you know, this league is a tough league. And if you don't come pre prepared to play, those, those things are going to happen. Well, and those things absolutely did happen. And, uh, you know, as uh, you know, the guy said earlier, much of it was self-inflicted. I mean, the turnovers earlier on and just the poor puck management and, you know, not matching the ferocity that the Vegas Golden Knights came out with, put them behind the eight ball. And then the third and fourth goals um, to change, you know, a 2 nothing lead is not great, but certainly manageable if you play well the rest of the game. 3 nothing and 4 nothing completely oh well the third one was a fluke i mean unfortunately you know off brendan dylan skate uh and then as we said the fourth goal was uh <laughs> was a mess that will end up on the low light huh the low light ring but can't get much worse than that first period um that being said uh there was a lot of talk about david riddick um as i said i thought he looked much better obviously without allowing a goal in the last couple periods but um Scott Arneal certainly wasn't blaming his goaltender last night. Here's Arneal on sort of hanging big save Dave out to dry it and what he saw from his team after they were down for zip. Well, for David, I mean, I think the players were the ones that really felt like they let him down. It just, you know, it's his first start as a Jet, and they were really hoping to get him a win, and, you know, the, the, the play in front of him, we, we, we never really gave him a chance to get himself settled and get into the game, and, you know, he saw an awful lot very quickly, and, um, you know, that's... Uh, you certainly don't want to do that in his first start. He was able to settle down after that. Though. Yeah, he, he was good. Yeah, I mean, we took over the game. As soon as after the first period was done, we decided that we were going to go and play the way we can play and do the things that we do. I mean, we took over the game. We spent a lot of time, had a lot of looks, and, and David had to make a couple of stops for us. And, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, hopefully that uh, he can, you know, he feels still good about himself because he is a, is a goaltender that we're going to need. We heard that Dylan Sandberg was out of the lineup. Logan Stanley was going in. Obvious reactions and the hot takes right away. Um, quite clear, though, after Sandberg the way Sandberg played on um, on against the Colorado Avalanche that, I mean, frankly, I thought they missed him last night. But um, this was injury-related. And then second part of this next clip, um, from my perspective, something maybe a little bit ominous about Nikolai Ehlers' status. This was uh, our Neil, our final clip on... Uh, the status of Sandberg and uh, what's up with Nick? Yeah, he's he's got a lower body injury. He got hurt last night. We weren't sure uh, where it was at, so um, he's gonna again. We'll see. Hopefully, maybe he'll be back for Saturday. We'll just kind of wait and see on him. So um, we've had, like I said yesterday, I was not hiding anything. We just got some guys that are real banged up from those last couple of games. Was Nikolai ever sort of an option? Not for today. No. Today? No. 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 We'll talk a little bit more about that maybe uh, when we get back home on Saturday. 
All right, so um, Dylan Sandberg, day-to-day, potentially could play Saturday. Um, but that bit at the end about Nikolai Ehlers, um, I don't know. My my perception of that was it was a little bit ominous. Um, said that, well, no, we'll, we'll maybe talk about that a little bit more on Saturday. I would have loved to have hear, heard he's close. Hopefully he'll be part of the lineup. We didn't get any of that, and... Um, you know, the fact that he was out before Colorado, missed that game, missed again last night, and now it's something that he might talk about on Saturday. I have to admit, Reem, I'm not expecting him to play Saturday, and I do have concern that we might find out on Saturday that this absence from the lineup for Nikolai Ehlers might be a little bit longer than just a, a quick missing a couple of games on a road trip. I'm not going to jump into any conclusions here, Hustler, but if... But I'm going to now. Let's say he's out a long time. Um, I mean, there's a big hole in the top six. You got to fill. Do they call up a Brad Lambert? Or you see all these, you know, I'm seeing all these defense injuries out around the league. Toronto, Florida, big holes. They got some veteran guys here. We've said all along, they need to trade a veteran D for a forward. Could we see a trade? Maybe. Um, I kind of hope they would bring in some kind of help because we know, we've talked about that. Like, hey, if there's an injury here, either in goal or in the top six fours to one of your key guys, you're kind of in trouble. So I, I'll reserve judgment, but that I think we'll have to end up talking about it when we hear, or if we hear that he's out for a long time. Well, and, and you know, and this kind of goes back into the uh, conversations that a lot of people were having about the Jets, how they managed the Comrie situation, they should have just paid him and all that. I mean, I think the plan certainly at the beginning of the year was to make sure you had that cap space. Now they haven't used it yet, and they haven't made a move involving anybody on the blue line. And you're exactly right. I think what's happened right now in the National Hockey League has potentially brought up some more conversations amongst general managers. I would assume Kevin Chevalier is one of them. And maybe that is something that is being talked about. The other possibility, Reem, for tomorrow's game, especially if Ehlers is going to miss this and potentially go on IR retroactive to the home opener, would allow a call-up without touching the rest of the roster. And if Sandberg can't go, I wouldn't at all be surprised if we either see Capo Bianco make his debut tomorrow night or potentially a call-up of Vili Hainala. Now, the other side of things is is up front. Um, you know, you mentioned, I thought Axel Johnson-Fialbi certainly uh, fit into the lineup quite well. Uh, but with Nikolai Ehlers out, um, there's no other forwards. Um, you know, as they carry and going 13 and, and 8, you've got two extra defensemen. And right now with Ehlers being dinged up, only one other player. So is there a call up on the horizon from the forward side of things? And listen, on Monday, I talked about going to the Moose games and seeing how they were utilizing Brad Lambert in sort of a Nikolai Ehlers role. Certainly on the power play, he was the guy using his speed and ability to gain the zone uh, was interesting. And it really did look like he was playing the Nikolai Ehlers role. Would he be a guy that they would look to call up this early in the season? I think not. But we did see some players. Mikey Esamont comes to mind, who I thought had a really good camp, um, as well as potentially a Jansen Harkins or Dominic Toninato, who maybe come in and play a fourth-line role and you know give one of those players uh, an opportunity to move up, potentially a Sam Gagne. I'm not sure. But listen, if Ehlers is out for any sort of considerable period of time, I think you're definitely going to need to add a forward to the group. And 
you know, back to the talk of, you know, some of the teams that are struggling and some of the blue lines around the league that are struggling. Maybe just maybe this is the opening that Kevin Sheveldayoff has been waiting for to try to get the value that he feels is necessary to trade one of his defensemen and open up a spot for a player like Vili Hainala, who, of course, is now with the Manitoba Moose. Yeah, I mean, you kind of see this. Players get hurt all the time. And again, we met a lot of teams around the league with injuries on, on defense. Maybe there is a trade to be made. We'll wait and see. I hope that there is because you know, they want to compete and you're missing Ehlers for a long time. Big big hole to fill. The Sam Gagne move up, and we did joke that it's kind of funny how a guy can go from either press box or the first line, but it was Appleton who they moved up to the first line who did play well in that game against the, the Avalanche, but we'll kind of wait and see what happens. Um, happens on Saturday the game against Toronto. Yeah, just, but this is what we do here. We gotta gotta come up with uh, speculation, right? <laughs> hey, that's what talk radio or sports yeah. talk is all about. I mean, trying to look ahead and uh, give some possibilities that could happen and see what happens. Just quickly on Appleton, though, um, man, I thought he played well the last couple of games. I thought he really made the most of this opportunity playing up in the top six. I mean, we talked about you know if one of those guys is out, who's that next guy? It really doesn't seem anybody projects that way and. Listen, I don't think he did himself or his team any uh, himself or his team any disservice with the way that he played. One of the best games that he's had, maybe uh, as a Winnipeg Jet against Colorado, and especially in those final couple periods, still using his speed, solid forecheck. But again, there's no replacing Nikolai Ehlers with anybody on this roster right now, and that is a big hole to fill. And fingers crossed, it won't be anything long term. <clears throat> but as Scott O'Neill said. We do expect to hear some of that tomorrow. All right. We're going to get to these topics as well as potential call-ups, player moves, and the first week of the season with Brandon Rewicki. Uh, But right now, why not question of the day? Two and two through four games. Your thoughts on the Jets' first week of the season. Um, hit us up in the comments below of the chat. And, of course, you can give us your thoughts in the, uh, in the chat as well for everyone that's with us live on YouTube. Um, Gotta just before we get, we're going to talk a little Jets Leafs for tomorrow night's game with former Leaf and TSN hockey analyst Carlo Kuliakovo in just a minute. Uh, but before we do that, gotta give a big shout out to the fellas over at Consolidated Supply, our newest sponsor on Winnipeg Sports Talk, the leaders in landscape, irrigation, and golf services. And they've been a huge part of the golf industry for a long time. And now the work that they've done with irrigation around beautiful golf courses around Manitoba can be used for your property as well. Uh, in addition to irrigation systems, they're also the experts in artificial turf. So if you have turf needs or you're thinking about maybe building that dream putting green in the backyard or somewhere on your property, our boy Joe down at Consolidated Supply can certainly help you out with that. Now, thinking about that project for the backyard, wouldn't that backyard be better with a beautiful hot tub? Consolidated Supply, a leader in hot tub sales as well. And an incredible selection of options for beautiful outdoor kitchens, barbecues, and more. It's all there at Consolidated Supply. Find out more online at their website, cte.ca. Pop down and see Joe Spicy and Gino and the gang at 1395 Niagara Road East. Or give them a call. They can fill you in on everything that they can do for you. Our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market feature great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and carry Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products as well. 
And when you're shopping at Vita Health, you're supporting a great local company, family owned and operated since 1936. Of course, with back to school here, Vita Health has great school friendly snacks and lunch items for the kids and great immunity products for the whole family, like vitamin C and D. And for those of you that are on the go, Vita Market has the incredible grab and go deli featuring delicious and healthy Vita Market salad, soup, sandwiches, and more. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at their fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. And uh, hoping to fill you in on what we're cooking up with our friends at Wallace and Wallace next week. Stay tuned for that. I think you're, our, our listeners are going to really like um, the program that we're going to be launching very soon. But in the meantime, you know Wallace and Wallace is the fencing and security leaders in Winnipeg for decades. What you might not know is they're also one of the uh, garage and overhead door leaders here in Manitoba, working with Clopay, the largest garage door manufacturer in the world. And despite supply chain challenges, there's still time to get a beautiful new garage door ordered, delivered, and installed in about four weeks, just in time for the slow snow to fly. And Wallace and Wallace can help you help you with service and repair if your garage door doesn't need to re be replaced, but does need some work. So experts at Wallace and Wallace have you covered. You can find out more online at wallacedoors.com or pop down and see them in person at their showroom over on Lawson Road. All right. We've talked a lot about last night's game. Now the focus goes to tomorrow night. The Toronto Maple Leafs had a big win last night. Nick Roberts in the hero with two goals, including the OT winner over the Dallas Stars. And Carlo Koliakabo, the host of First Up, an NHL analyst for TSN, joins us now for the latest on the blue and white and his thoughts on the Jets early in the season. Carlo, what's up? It's great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing great, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Excited to uh, have a chat with you. And I love your intro. The Leafs are coming to town. It's like everybody's supposed to be, you know, worried that the the powerhouse Maple Leafs are coming to town to play the Winnipeg Jets. Nah, it's more about the obnoxious fans that fill the building every time the <laughs> Leafs come out here, to be perfectly honest with you, Carlo. Because, uh, uh, well, I, I mean, listen, I think we all agreed that the Leafs, many people thought, were going to be a powerhouse this season. And they certainly have yeah. some of the most elite talent in the National Hockey League. They also have the most baggage of any team in the National Hockey League. And I think all of that has sort of come out in the first week of the season. Uh, a big win last night. We'll get to the performance of Nick Robertson in a minute. Uh, but the losses to Montreal and Arizona seemingly put that fan base back to uh, a few months ago very quickly. I mean, how would you categorize the start of the visitors for tomorrow night's game? Uh, it's been confusing. <laughs> um, you know, I don't necessarily view the Maple Leafs as a powerhouse type of team. I think they're a very good team. I think they're going to have a very good season. I think they're going to be a playoff team again, but it's hard to get excited about this team in a regular season because we all know that they're going to be judged on their result in the playoffs, as, as we, we should say. Not, not success in the playoffs, but they haven't had any. Uh, but the, it, we all wonder if this year is going to be the year. Um, it's, you know, it's puzzling a little bit just to evaluate the start of their season. And it's a small sample size of five games, but... You know, you lose the first game against the Montreal team that, you know, doesn't plan on winning many games this year, yet they're 3-0 and at home and enjoying some early season success. And 
You lose to another team on home ice in the Arizona Coyotes who have literally told the whole world they do not want to win hockey games this year. And you immediately start to answer questions about this team, about who they really are. And I go for, I go back further than that. I don't look at this game, these four or five games and, you know, sit there and press the overreaction button. I sort of evaluate this team going back four years since John Tavares um, set the tone of what this group has wanted to establish themselves as is with the core group. And the, the identity of this team is the same. It's they're a team that's very well constructed. They're a team that has very good players, some elite players, some of the best players in, in, the, in the game. But if you ask anybody in the league to describe who they are, well, they're a team that plays their best hockey against the best teams in the league. And they're a team that find ways to lose against teams that they should beat. And then come playoff time, when they're asked to win an important game, you question whether or not they're capable of doing it. So, I'm really, you know, confused, especially when you look at their offseason and they don't make any massive changes. If anything, they stick with the same group and they, they, you know, add around the edges with some depth, more depth players. And they come out and they, it's, it's what they do best. They just talk a big game and say that they've learned their lessons. And ultimately, when you ask them to show it on the ice, it's the same, you know, things that continue to creep up in their game. So, and you can understand Sheldon Key's frustrations, especially early on in the season when, you know, he's, he has said a couple of things that have uh, pointed out some um, deficiencies in this group. And you can understand how the media has reacted to that appropriately and confusing as to how, you know, the, the, the organization has reacted. I've never seen a coach publicly come out and apologize for something that was a proper assessment of the team. But it's typical Toronto. It's uh, days of our lives uh, on a daily basis after every game. Well, and I mean, there is always the soap opera nature. There's the bright lights. There's the attention on this club. But there's also, um, you know, and, and I think any team in that situation with the talent that they've had with the repeated failures when it counts the most would have that sort of a spotlight and have those questions being asked. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are talking about this every day. Who... um Who's under the most pressure right now there in the market? I mean, it, Kyle Dubas, I'm sure, I mean, on an expiring contract, has to get yeah. things done. Sheldon Keefe, I think we've already seen, is sort of coaching as if this is the year. And then you've got the players who, um, I mean, Austin Matthews is unique because he's so important. He's one of the top players in the league. I mean, they're desperate to keep him there. And then a guy like Mitch Marner with all the baggage from that protracted contract situation, I think that still sort of hangs over him when the team does not work. Um, It is a very unique market, but it's also a unique situation with the repeated failures and people that are being compensated very well that despite whatever they do in the regular season, it won't really move the needle until they figure out a way to make something happen in the playoffs. Well, Andrew, you're ultimately right. Um, You know, because... They have put the, those old expectations on themselves with team that they've built, the players that they have, and ultimately with the lack of success that they've had. And you asked who the most pressure is on. Um, I think clearly the most pressure is on Kyle Dubas because this is a team he constructed. I mean, just his big offseason move was going to acquire a goalie that 30 other teams didn't want, including one in Ottawa. 
who is looking to make that next step uh, and take that next step of becoming a playoff team. And you got a team looking to win a playoff round, acquiring the goalie that that team didn't want. It just, it puzzled the whole market. But, you know, this is also a GM who has faced a lot of criticism because of the team that he's built and the way that they play, but has to also be complimented because in a three-year window where there hasn't been much cap flexibility, he has still constructed a really competitive team in the regular season. So say what you want about playoff success. If you don't have that regular season success, you don't give yourself a chance to even have that playoff success. And you're, you're just hoping that they're going to crack one of these years and one of these playoff seasons the, the confusing thing is, is how the same group has been given the same chance year after year. Usually, you know, with playoff defeats, there, there is change and, and there is somewhat of a new identity that's maybe formed or created. But for Kyle Dubas and management, the, they continue to double down on the belief in this group. And, you know, I, I want to believe that this year is going to be different, but so far with what I've seen, it's hard to believe that this year will be different, but that's why you have to play the game. So I, I don't understand the the um, the outpour from the fan base of Sheldon Keefe and his position. I I think Sheldon Keefe's a great coach. Um, I think he's had great success with this group. He understands um, some of the personalities that he needs to manage, and. You know, people always think the coach is, is the answer to changing the team's success. Well, if this is the same group that you're talking about, this is the second coach that they've been through. If you can't get that same message through, well, then ultimately you have to decide it's the players that are the problem here. So aside from Kyle Dubas being under the most pressure because it's it's in the open, the fact that his future is going to be determined on this year's success of the team, I think the second finger that needs to be pointed is directly at the players. You know, uh, this is actually a nice little segue into the Winnipeg Jets, but more an NHL question, and you're following a number of teams. I mean, Ottawa, was we joked that they were the offseason champs. The job that Brad Treleving did in Calgary, given the mm -hmm. hand that he was dealt, is all-time incredible. But there are teams like the Leafs that have had these failures and have come back with a very similar group. And then you've got a team like the one in Winnipeg, where an incredibly disappointing season last year, Paul Maurice left. Dave Lowry came through. Was at, I mean, it was a brutal situation, I think, for Dave, for Adam Lowry, for the team. It, you just knew things would change. But they got a new coach, but they didn't do much with the actual roster. Um, mm -hmm. Any theories on why teams like Toronto or like Winnipeg, considering the seasons that they've had, have decided to essentially run it back with minimal changes, certainly personnel-wise in Toronto and personnel-wise here in Winnipeg, despite having a new coach? Yeah, I think that's the frustration you see uh, with a lot of the fan bases and, you know, scratching their head as to why they, there hasn't been more things done to change in their teams. But you got to give Ottawa credit. Uh, but what Ottawa was able to do was because they had flexibility with cap space. What Calgary was able to do was because they had, you know, one player they lost for free in Johnny Goudreau with the attempt to keep him there with the contract that they presented him. And then Matthew Kachuk was another piece they were able to move and bring back a haul to get him. But they were able to do that because they have flexibility with cap space. 
you know, I'm not sure where Winnipeg stands up against the cap. I know where Toronto stands up against the cap and any move that they were trying to make, you know, made it difficult to, you know, to uh, complete with dollars in and dollars out. And I think that's the challenge that a lot of teams in the NHL are facing. They, they want to make some moves. You know, they want to be more aggressive, but the salary cap is presenting challenges for them. And, and to be honest with you, I don't know if you've listened to me much. It's the one thing I absolutely hate about what the NHL represents. You know, you see the success that a lot of these other sports leagues are having with the NBA and the NFL, where the off seasons have been dominated by player movement. And that's what excites the fan base. And the NHL is just stuck in its own stubborn ways. And I know they've got a debt to pay back, but, you know, the fact that they, they create no flexibility within the cap to allow any of these GMs to either fix their mistakes or try to create optimism within their team in the new season, it's tough. It's absolutely tough. I, I wish we would have seen. And, and the thing about hockey is we have so many great insiders that operate within the industry and they do such a great job of acquiring information and creating buzz. But how many times do we actually see that buzz fall through? And so I think for Winnipeg, you know, knowing that they were going to get a new coach, I think Shevel Dayoff probably tried to make a big impact move. Um, you know, maybe the cost was too high. Maybe attracting a certain player to come to Winnipeg, which has its own challenges as well, too, became difficult. But I think the teams that that you know have the most success are the teams that build from within. So you got to like what you've seen so far with the Winnip- with Winnipeg and its younger players, especially with some of the production that you're getting right now from a Cole Perfetti. Um, you know, especially uh, up front and some of the younger players that are pushing, you know, even in their minor league teams for a spot uh, for some of these older guys. And, you know, a sneaky acquisition for the Jets was bringing in a veteran guy like Sam Gagne. And, you know, hopefully that sort of presence helps ignite the group. And and look, they, they decided to make a philosophical change with their, with their captaincy, right? Uh, eliminating from Wheeler and maybe that'll create um, – you know, a different feeling within the group or within the room. And it's early on in the, se- in the season, but I think Winnipeg to me has been one of those teams that I've been surprised with. So, um, you know, hopefully they can continue that feeling and, and, and have that success throughout. Yeah. I mean, still very, very early. And, uh, you know, the jets after having a pretty good feeling coming out of Colorado with the two points that, did not put their best foot forward in the uh, first period last night in Vegas. But hey, what um, happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, hopefully apparently. that's that's a great point. <laughs> Leave that in Vegas, and they got to be better. Um, but anyway, I know you're paying close attention to all the Canadian teams through the uh, your work as the TSN hockey analyst. Um, yeah. What were your expectations for the Jets coming into this year, and what have you thought about them through four games going into the game with the Leafs tomorrow? Well, I'll be honest with you. I didn't have much expectations from them just because like we just touched on, they weren't a team that made many changes to the group that had a pretty bad season last year. But I knew deep down inside that, you know, a a fresh season always creates fresh feelings and, and fresh results. And getting off to a good start is so imperative because it can, you know, it can change what you believe your season could be. And for the Jets, I mean, there's no sugarcoating. They have really good players on that team. You know, especially when you're talking about some of the group of forwards that they have, you know, with Pierre-Luc Dubois, Shifley, Wheeler, um, Ehlers, Kyle Connor. You know, those are good pieces to start every season with, right? Now, would you like, more of a point-producing defenseman on the back end? Yes. Those aren't easy to find unless you're drafting and developing in from within. So 
Bianca's is back. Josh Morrissey can chip in every once in a while. But we look at the teams that have success. They have one of three things on their roster. And, you know, some of the best teams in the, in the leagues have all three of them. You have great goaltending. you got a stud defenseman. And you have an elite forward. I think the Winnipeg Jets have two of those three. They have a couple of elite forwards. They have a really good goaltender. They're missing that stud on defense. But the their their patchwork with the way they're being coached right now and i and you know credit to rick bolness hasn't really had a chance to get his feet wet because of what he's dealing with with covid hasn't been on the bench yet <laughs> right right so um i think you got to be happy with what you've seen so far and just hope that there's more internal growth with this organization and that maybe you know come deadline time you can add an important piece to maybe help you help make the, the jets you know uh, create a playoff push Carly Koliakovo with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, getting ready for tomorrow's visit of the Toronto Maple Leafs to Canada Life Center. Um, you mentioned Cole Perfetti. Um, I, I want to ask you about him, and it, you know he is in a, a a unique situation because he is not only a young player that's trying to establish himself as a regular NHLer, but he's also a young man that is playing in the top six and is relied upon really to produce at that level. Um, because frankly, when you look at the Jets roster outside of that top six, there's not really a lot of guys that, you know, fit that mold of being able to produce at that level. Um, he's a smaller guy. I think he's getting used to the physicality of the National Hockey League. Um, but, you know, when you look at Cole with what he brings to the table, what do you think the biggest challenges are, Carlo, for him to flourish as an everyday player here for the Winnipeg Jets? Well, I'm going to be a little biased when it comes to Cole because I know him personally and I've actually trained him a couple of summers on the ice. So I actually know him really well. And one thing that's always stood out to me about Cole is his hockey sense. He's got incredible hockey sense, incredible hockey IQ. And ultimately, that's how, when I'm evaluating a player, that's the first thing that I look for because everything else can be taught. And clearly he's a guy that, you know, coming up through the through the ranks has always been one of the better players at his age group, played at, you know, on the top teams at all levels. You know, you talk about uh, OHL when it's his days in Saginaw, you know, when the, when the COVID season shut off, he was playing one of the top teams in John got robbed of, you know, how good his team could potentially be. And then, you know, his world junior experience, his you know, international experience at the world championships, those are all just, um, you know, benefits that a player adds to their experience. And, you know, last year, obviously, he didn't play much in the NHL, um, got his paid his dues in the minors, and now it looks like he's ready to step in in an everyday role uh, with the Jets. And I think the knock on Cole has always been his skating and whether or not, you know, it could keep up at the NHL level. But with guys like him, what what's going to make those players that lack maybe that speed that you would hope to see is the hockey sense. And clearly, we're seeing it on display early on in the season. He's finding himself in the right place, right places at the right time, playing with some good players. And when you can start a year establishing that type of confidence, where not only do you feel like you're playing well, but you're producing, it, it just helps push his development and push his drive to continue to want to be an impact player for this team. And if that's the case, you know, that, that bodes well for the Jets because, you know, you're already talking about a team that has, has established forwards like the ones I just mentioned. You put Cole Perfetti, you know, in that group of six 
that can help, that can help you know boost the offense. It's only helping um, you know further push this team's maybe mindset uh, from the, the from what it thought it could be to start the season to you know where I think it can get to uh, midway through the season and obviously near the end of the season. So happy to see that that he's a guy that's you know been given a chance and is contributing on an everyday basis now and now. You know, it's it's even more important for the guys that are that are in the pipeline right now to be driven by the opportunity he's been given and try to follow in the his his same footsteps when they get their chance. Because you know that's how you 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 push development within your organization. Is when you see a guy that's that gets a chance have success. Well, then it's the next next man up that you expect. Well, and it's a neat segue into a guy that we'll be seeing tomorrow night and was the big star last night, Nick Robertson, who was not on, I don't believe, the opening day roster. Right. Uh, but given the opportunity, slides yeah. into a very similar position to Cole, playing on that second line with some talented players and made the most of it and ended up being the hero. I'm sure he's the toast of the town right now uh, in the uh, in Leaf Nation. Oh, yeah. He's been Superman, Kate, because... The girl last night and put this fan base, you know, at ease. And, and look, Nick's another guy that we've talked about at length in Toronto because he was a guy that you know this organization was has been waiting for to be the next prospect that comes up and fits into this roster. And considering that this is his fourth year, because in his first year it was just a bubble experience, you know, he's had some injuries to deal with, and even in the chances that he was given in previous years was never really able to make an impact or at least the impact that he made last night in his first game. And credit to him, this guy went to rookie camp. And as a guy at fourth year organization, it's very, very rare that you would see a guy take that initiative and say, I'm willing to go play in a rookie tournament because those are usually for first or second year guys. But he did that. He, 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 he did that because he wanted to be, you know, at pace or above pace once camp, camp tried it, uh, started, and he's used that to his advantage. He did exactly what he needed to do in camp, um, led the team in scoring, put the pressure on the organization, make a tough decision. And, and there's a lot of people, including myself, that uh, questioned the decision they made to put him down on the minors because ultimately what type of message are you sending in your or within your organization if you're saying no matter how good of a camp you have, you're going to be a victim of a business decision because that's how we operate. You know, you don't want to dangle that type of carrot because, you know, that's how you ruin guys' confidences. But for Nick, good for him for keeping a good head on his shoulders, waiting for his opportunity, and not just waiting for his opportunity, making the best of his opportunity because you talk about making a statement. That game he just had last night with the goals and the timing of those goals, obviously the, the, the one that gave him the lead or late in the third and the one that ultimately sealed the deal in overtime, that was a statement for him saying, I'm here to stay and you're not sending me back down. And now it's up to the organization to make sure that they find a place for him to play because the way this team is built year after year or even within season, when you have these type of injuries that pop up, you're going to be needing to rely on your death because as close as you are to the cap, it's not easy to go out and find someone all the time. No, it's a great point. Carlo Coliaco is with us getting ready for Jets Leafs tomorrow night at Canada Life Center. Last one for you, Carlo. Rick Bonus, when he's on the bench, knows who's in the net. Jet fans know that they've got Connor Hellebuck back there, and um, more often than not, he'll be the best guy on the ice in that position. 
with yeah. everything at stake for the Maple Leafs this year, how much are they rolling the dice with the goaltending position right now? And um, what uh, what what do you expect? I mean, can Samsonov be the guy? Is Matt Murray going to be a factor at all this year? And is that still the Achilles heel of the Toronto Maple Leafs is currently constructed? Well, it's funny because I never thought goaltending was an issue for them in the previous two years. I mean, you go back to their playoff rounds, both to Montreal and to Tampa. Jack Campbell was not the reason why they, they lost the playoffs here. Right? They couldn't score, and, you know, it was their self-inflicted mistakes that ended up ultimately costing them. If anything, Jack Campbell and the goaltending position out-goaltended the opposition. I mean, you're talking about it and a series against Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky played four good periods in that series and ultimately won. So I think that's the way they viewed it too when making the decision to go the route they did in the offseason where they don't need elite goaltending. They can get by with average goaltending. And I don't think many people in Toronto complained when they signed Samsonov because there is upside there. Um, you know, a guy that came into the league as a, highly talented prospect and you know the only thing you question is why did Washington give up on him but you know we've seen these uh scenarios play out across the league many many times many years and ultimately you know players find it within themselves to have bounce back years and that's what we hope from Samsonov I think the big wild card in all this was their decision to put trust in a guy like Matt Murray who you know I mean you can't take away the the success he's had with the Pittsburgh Penguins in winning two Stanley Cups, but he hasn't been anywhere near that form, at least for the last four or five years since he, you know, since he won those Cups. And injury has played a big factor in that. And that's a big, you know, uh, that's a big risk you're taking in, in a make-or-break season that ultimately is going to be defined again by your playoff success. You go with two guys that are basically reclamation projects are basically looking for bounce back seasons and are playing are expected to play at an elite level in a pressure cooker market like Toronto. Right. And that's the one thing I really admired about Jack Campbell is even in times that he struggled, he always found a way to bounce back regardless of what was said about him. Now you got two new guys coming into this market, have not only to worry about playing good, but having to deal with that type of pressure that comes with it. So it's going to be like so far so good. I mean, training camp, you know, um, they went through training camp through with, with a breeze because both guys were not the conversation of negative attention. Uh, but it only took two games for Matt Murray to sort of uh, uh, under the spotlight uh, with his trust issues about playing the game of hockey. But I, in regards to Samsonov, I think you've got to be extremely pleased with what you've seen so far because he's given them. Um, you know, great hockey and more with his play in the net. So if they can get that type of goaltending from him, I think both parties have put themselves in a great spot. They're talking about the Maple Leafs and signing him and him being in a position to, you know, to to bank on a, a contract that comes from his play this year. And whether that's him taking over the number one role or, you know, splitting in, in, a, in a shared system. But, you know, one man's loss is another man's gain, as they say. And right now that gain is... Uh, for Samsonov to take the this, this position and run with it. Carlo, thanks so much for doing this. Looking forward to this game tomorrow night. And uh, hopefully we can catch up again maybe later on this season. This was a lot of fun. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, my pleasure, man. I appreciate uh, you having me on. It was fun to do this. And I uh, always enjoy talking hockey. So you guys keep me posted.
All right, great stuff from Carlo Koliakovo. Appreciate him jumping on the program today and really looking forward to what should be a pretty fun atmosphere tomorrow night at Canada Life Centre for the Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs. We've got some breaking Jets news. We'll get to you in just a minute. Uh, don't forget your comments below on today's episode for our Why Not Question of the Day. Early impressions on the Winnipeg Jets through the first week of the season, sitting at 2-2. Two and two. And hey, speaking of not Autocorp, you know that they've been the Tesla leaders in Winnipeg for the better part of a decade. Big Tesla sale event this weekend at Not Autocorp going through until Monday. Reduced pricing plus an extra $1,000 finance credit or gift cards. No gas, fully electric. Get into the future with Tesla and Not Autocorp. And of course, they've also got that great Tesla experience program to allow overnight drives and you know, get the hang of what it's like to move from a traditional vehicle to an electric vehicle. Of course, Not Autocorp has been the leaders in Tesla sales in Manitoba with my Tesla Winnipeg for a decade, over 30 of them on the lot right now. If you've been thinking about an electric vehicle this weekend, head on down to Not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? See them this weekend for the big Tesla event. And of course, you can check out everything that Not's going on online at Not.ca. Well, big game tomorrow night. Bombers getting ready for the playoffs. It is a great time to be a sports fan. Last night was the sports equinox and uh, perfect time to segue into Royal Sports because whether you're an NHL, an NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA fan, or getting ready for Canada at the World Cup, Royal Sports has your jersey waiting for you. The best selection of licensed merchandise anywhere is at 750 Pemina Highway at Royal Sports. And in addition to the best fan gear around, they are the hockey superstore in the peg for over 40 years. Family owned with a great team of hockey players working in the shop to help you or the hockey player and your family get the right piece of equipment at the right price to help you get the best of your performance on the ice this year. Royal Sports, proud sponsors of WST since day one, 750 Pemina Highway. And make sure you're following them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And uh, I guess we got to figure out when our next suit show is after our big Friday for the home opener. When y'all came out with a record number of likes, we will do that maybe at some point next week or for a big game coming up. But the bottom line is if you need to get into a suit or need to update the wardrobe, don't go anywhere other than F Apparel downtown at 190 Smith Street. F Apparel with their custom suits beginning at just $400. Both Remo and myself went down, got measured up, decided on the styles, the fabric, the color, and then a few weeks later had a great new suit to wear all through the winter. And a great sale right now. If you do need a big wardrobe refresh, buy one suit, get a second one at 30% off. And for you fellas that are involved in tying the knot sometime soon or in a wedding party, talk to the gang at F Apparable, getting all the guys suited up. Special right now, if you book your wedding party and get fitted by the end of November, everyone in the wedding party will get a free shirt and 10% off your entire order. Savings of up to $130 per individual. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown and online. You can make an appointment there as well at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. All right. Um, just as we bring Brandon Rewicki in, we do have some breaking Jets news. The Jets have 
As I mentioned, that comment from Scott O'Neill sounded a little ominous last night about Nikolai Ehlers. <clears throat> well, we didn't have to wait until Saturday for more from the club. Nikolai Ehlers has been placed on IR retroactive to the 18th of October. And Dominic Toninato has been recalled from the Manitoba Moose. So let's get to the latest on the Jets with our good friend and the host of the Skates and Plates podcast. Subscribe wherever you get Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's Brandon Rewicki. Ru, what's up, man? I'm doing good. I was actually almost late for this. Um, you know, thankfully there was a bit of a delay. Usually the only reason I'm ever late is is sandwich related, and it was a sandwich related um, almost absence. So I do want to just give a quick shout out if if anybody hasn't tried it out yet. Get down to Hoagie Boys on Osborne ASAP. Give me the they, lowdown. I've drove driven by it. They have weird hours. It's one to seven. So it changed now. It's eleven thirty to seven. Um, they, yeah, they, they've got, they've got kind of their own like unique vibe there. They yelled at me when I, when I mentioned that, oh, I thought you guys were open at one. They're, they're open 1130 to seven. Um, they're the, I think the masterminds behind the cosmos. Yes. Can't you right? Space so, cantina. <laughs> so if, if, if you were down with them back with the ghost kitchen, you got to head down here. It's, it, it is exactly what I was hoping it would be. Um, if you're a big fan of like Italian subs, then Yeah get down there immediately it was absolute perfection i was so happy leaving the store and um yeah i was able to crush it in the car on the way down here because there was a bit of a traffic jam so it's, it's I had a pretty good afternoon i had a few cosmos before and that's the definition of munchies if you know where i'm going with this one yes, and, uh, uh, i'm looking forward to checking it out and hey no better no better uh endorsement than the man behind skates and plates knows a thing or two about the plates. Um, hey, just quickly, let's talk about this Nikolai Ehlers news right now. <clears throat> um, you know, obviously not a great situation when he was out for the morning skate and then left and didn't play in the Jets win in Colorado. Considering what happened that day before, I wasn't really expecting him last night. But then when we heard Scott Arneal say that, well, maybe we'll speak about that on Saturday um, well, as I said, it sounded a little bit ominous. And now we've got news that Nikolai Ehlers is out for the Winnipeg Jets. And we don't know. We haven't heard how long this is going to be. They have not clarified what he's dealing with right now, but it was not related to blocking the shot in the previous game against the Dallas Stars. Um, what do the Winnipeg Jets do? And we've talked a lot about the lack of real depth in that scoring positions and how much was going to be leaned on from Cole Perfetti because of his role in that number two line. Listen, I really like Mason Appleton in a spot role yeah. in the last couple of games. I thought he's acquitted himself well, but um, man, what if Nikolai Ehlers is gone for any extended period of time, Brandon. I mean, uh, what does that do to where the Winnipeg Jets are right now with their lineup going into the next couple of weeks where they still continue to go head to head with some really, really good teams in the NHL? Yeah, I, I guess what you do is cry because <laughs> it's a it's a pretty massive blow, and it sucks too. Because I mean, hey, like you said, Appleton's been great on the top line since he went up there. But those first two games, you kind of got the sense that there was something special brewing with Ehlers, Connor, and Shifley playing on the same line, and immediately all that momentum gets halted. It's 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 a pretty devastating blow, and it's also a stark reminder that something that should have been addressed four months ago right it's it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult and it might be costly to do it right now um i it, it again it depends on how long he's going to be out for it i mean it, it doesn't sound like a extremely serious injury but we've seen 
in this market before day to day all of a sudden turns into six to eight weeks. So I guess we'll just keep our fingers crossed on that. But they were already hoping for big time contributions from guys that had legitimate question marks going into the air. Like Cole Perfetti as a rookie. Can he deliver something along like a 50 ish point pace? Can Blake Wheeler five on five? get somewhere back to the pace that he was a few seasons ago at the very least. And that's, you know, not even to mention the legitimate bottom six concerns about can any of these guys score at a good enough clip to, uh, to pace the top six if they go cold on a night. And I, I think the issue just gets exacerbated here. Um, you know, you do wonder, <laughs> this was something we talked about two, three months ago. There's a log jam on defense. There's an opening up front. Seems to me like this could be something that can solve some of the roster composition issues on this team. We'll, we'll see how patient Chevy is going to continue to be here, but I'll tell you what, from how the first four games have played out for me, I would not be hesitant whatsoever to pull the trigger on any kind of move to bring in some middle six help on this team. Well, and, and speaking of that, that's a great way to get in because it's something I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, we've seen some blue lines in this league that are really, really depleted right now. And, um, you know, if Shevel Dayoff was waiting for an opening or an opportunity to get the deal and get the price that he wants for one of his defensemen, I would suggest that that time is right now. And listen, it was really unfortunate that Dylan Sandberg wasn't able to go last night because I thought that, you know, he passed his test against the Avalanche with flying colors. We know that Philly Hainala is warming up in, uh, you know, with the Manitoba Moose ready to get in. And we still haven't seen Kyle Capabianco, who they obviously feel can play because he's still with the club right now. Um, but do you agree, Brandon, that sort of the landscape of this early start, some of the struggles of teams, maybe the pressure on certain other GMs, that this next week or so for Dayoff might be a time that makes a lot of sense to pull the trigger on a move? Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. And so there, I guess there's two aspects to that for me. First is the one that you touched on there where, and, and again, we're seeing teams ice 16 guys, 17 guys. Like they're, they're not even, it's so, it's bizarro work. Like if somebody mentioned that to you 10 years ago, you'd be like, oh, are the, are the coach and GM like fired the next day? Like how, how could some, but now there's like almost a dozen teams that are doing stuff like that now. So I, I think there's still a level of desperation around the NHL for for any kind of defensive impact and help, and the Jets have a few guys that can do that. But the other part of it, to me, on, on top of all that is, you know, you, you saw Samberg against Colorado, and, I, you know, it's funny. I didn't really notice him all that much, which was kind of refreshing for a Jets blue liner in that it, it's nice to have somebody that Especially was, against those guys. Yeah, right? Like, that's that's not necessarily risk-averse, but... We're not seeing the the backbreaking mistake. We're not seeing the turnover. We're not seeing, you know, how many times has this team failed to to exit their zone with the puck on their stick in in, in the defensive end, right? It, it was nice to have a relatively quiet game from one of their blue liners, but I I don't know what you're thinking and 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 what a bunch of the listeners are thinking, but it's been a pretty rocky start for Brendan Dillon. You know, I I have concerns if you know maybe last year wasn't a mirage and it's it's not going to work for him. In, in Winnipeg or, or maybe anywhere else in, in a top four role. And I, I love Dylan DeMello, but he's had a rocky start to the season too. And I think it's a fair question to ask that if you think Sandberg can give you relatively similar to what Dylan gives you, and you think in, in, a, in a different role, you know, a Hanela can give you something similar to what Dylan DeMello's giving you. 
Doesn't it make all the sense in the world to go with the cheaper option there and then flip that piece to get some help up front where you desperately need it with or without a healthy Nikolai Ehlers? It, it makes all the sense in the world to me. And again, we, we saw last year Sandberg handle the top four role pretty well. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't continue on that trajectory this season. And tell you what, again, for, for a team that hasn't handled breakouts very well so far, and the power play has been a little iffy so far, you've got a breakout power play machine just sitting there in the AHL ready to go if you want to throw them in there. I think it's I, I think it's well past time to, to give these kids a little bit of a chance, a little bit of a long rope to do so, and it, it's going to probably have to come at the cost of moving one or, or two of your veteran defensemen. Yeah, I mean, again, this is not a new conversation that we've had together or on this program for a good portion of time. And, um, you know, if there ever was a, 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 you know, if the thought was waiting till they get the right deal, I, I'm just, I guess what I'm suggesting right now is that you look around the National Hockey League with some of the injuries, some of the issues that teams are having, as well as some of the starts that they're having. And maybe this is the time that um, Chevy can show that the patience was warranted and pull off a uh, pull off a nice deal. The one thing I'll say about DeMello and I'm with you, you know, with Morrissey, you know, there was some ups and downs on that pairing early on. I kind of do think that Dylan DeMello is the absolute perfect guy to have on that yeah. third pairing playing with one of those young players. Like Listen, I mean, I know we're high on what Billy Hainel can do in special teams, but, I mean, this is not a proven or established player, and I think if you had him yeah. playing in a top-four role, um, listen, I'm sure there'd be some good things, but I think you'd also see probably the things that worry them about having him play big minutes uh, regularly in the league. But much like we saw Dylan Sandberg, I thought they did a perfect thing. They put him in on that pairing with DeMello, who has been sort of a comfort blanket for his partner historically, and they acquitted themselves quite well. What we didn't expect was Sandberg not to be available. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I, for me, it's probably just a bump in the road for DeMello. I mean, his track record's been pretty good in Winnipeg, right? I yeah. mean, he's, you know, whether it was with Morrissey or any of the youngsters, he's, he's his track record says he's going to help elevate the partner that he's with. It, it's just been it's been really, really rocky so far through four games. And I, I didn't think it got any better last night in Vegas, although the whole team was at fault for that. Um, I actually, I, I think Nate Schmidt's been pretty good. I, I've kind of, kind of enjoyed his game. He's, he's maybe taken the whole "our defensemen are coming" mantra to heart, and, and maybe has, you know, outside of Neil Pionk's goal scoring heroics, really, really benefited from that shift in an attacking mindset. Um, you know, you do wonder if Dylan is maybe the odd man out in the group there, but. He does bring a, a different element than the rest of the defensemen in this group do, right? Um, I haven't I haven't seen it as much as I think I would have liked. Um, but for me, when you look at the cap hit, the intangibles, everything like that, I can understand a team looking at that situation and going, hey, you know what? If, if we got a pretty deep forward group and it costs us a third liner, why not take a chance on somebody like a Brandon Dillon? It's, it's just going to be, again... You know what's what's it gonna take? <laughs> what's it gonna take for Chevy to pull the trigger here for me? I'm I'm not waiting for a couple uh, a couple one goal offensive outputs in a row to to try to get some help up front. Even if Ehlers is coming back after these next two games, I'm I'm still looking to to make a couple additions because I think this team desperately needs it up front. Hey, shout out to Kyle and Chad. Thanks very much for the super chat, Kyle. Uh, he's uh, donating for Remo's fun to make a sarcasm emoji. 
It's actually <laughs> that's actually very worthwhile. Kyle, thanks a lot for the support. Thanks to everyone for the super chats. We really do appreciate it. Um, overall, Brandon, I think we all would have probably taken two and two looking at what the team was uh, going into it. I mean, you know, a nice win uh, and a good situation schedule wise against the Rangers. I think a lot of people thought that if they could have grabbed two points out of these last two back-to-back games on the road, they certainly would have taken it. Dallas game, you know, the middle of the Dallas game was rough. And I mean, listen, I mean, they, they set the bar on the bottom end with the first period last night. But, you know, despite the fact that that period of time was uh, was rough, I mean, we still haven't seen Rick Bonus even on the bench and the yeah. team's two and two. Should we be pleased with the start or uh, we're just sort of in the middle right now, still waiting to see what this team can do through 15, 20 games and where they'll be at? Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with two and two. I, I think that's just fine. Um, I, I was pretty concerned about the back-to-back against Colorado and Vegas. <laughs> I Hey, if you if you get two points against that for the rest of the season, I, I don't know if there's a lot of teams that are going to be able to pull that off. So so no issues with the results that that have come so far with Winnipeg. I, I guess my overall sense of the team through four games, there's there's some things that are more positive than I anticipated and, and some things that are more negative than I had anticipated. And, and it's kind of just a break-even point that I, I still feel like watching the Jets, they need to make an addition or two up front and an addition on the back end in, in terms of back end more quality than, than quantity. Um, but I, I still think of this team wants to be a legitimate playoff team that they need to add and, and need to do it relatively soon. I, I, I don't think they have the horses to compete with some of the, the upper echelon teams. Um, I think the most positive development so far has been Mark Shifley's on a complete 180. He, he's the team's best player right now. I, I've, I've been beyond impressed with him. I, and defensively, I, I think, I mean, especially compared to last year, he's been outstanding. He's I, I, And even like, that I, I I think it was the second goal for Vegas last night. Like he's in he's in the right spot. He doesn't finish the play. Obviously, you'd like him to get a stick on somebody in that situation. But tell you what, last year he would have been up at the rainette line, ready for a pass, right? And and now at the very least, you can tell that there's a legitimate conscientious effort to play behind the puck, to start down low and then move up once the team gets possession and go offensively. I I, I think he's been really really strong. So that to me has been the biggest positive development so far. I've loved Morrissey's game. And and maybe the, the biggest surprise for me has been Wheeler and Perfetti. I don't know if you see, they, they've got instant chemistry, right? Oh, yeah. Like, they, they've, they've been really, really strong. And I usually Wheeler takes, I, I've, I've mentioned in the, this in the past, I've, I've got an old rusty lawnmower that I still use. And it works after you give it like 15 pumps. And, th- and then it gets the job done. Wheeler in the past has needed about 10 or so games finally become the the Blake Wheeler that that makes an impact out there but he's started off really strong and um I I didn't anticipate Dubois being the the weak link on that line so far through four games but Wheeler and Perfetti have have been really really strong and I think there's a lot of reason for optimism on on what those two can do on the team's second line together um but to me there's still a ton of question marks in the bottom six I, I don't know where the offense is going to come from there and I think there's some big-time concerns on this team's blue line, specifically the veterans more so than the youngsters. And are they going to get above-average defensive play from that unit? Or is it going to be, let's lean on Connor Hellebuck to make 35-plus saves and give us a 930 save percentage through the course of the season? 
Theo Seegers, thanks for the super chat for Advil for little Nikki. You know, hopefully not too many Advils will be needed and hopefully it won't be out too many games, but uh, Theo, appreciate the super chat as well. Um, no, you're exactly right. Um, and I'll say this. I mean, I think Appleton in these last couple of games has been more than I certainly expected in uh, that role playing uh, in filling the huge shoes of Nikolai Ehlers, figuratively speaking, of course, um, you know, with Kyle Connor and, and, and Shifley and, you know, Connor, for his part, is sort of averaging about three shots a game. Um, you know, he has had some opportunities. He, he'll still get his looks. I kind of feel like it's going to come for him right now. And listen, he was a big part of the the start Mark Shifley had with the three early goals um, as well. But when you get down, especially with Appleton out or moving up in the lineup with Ehlers out, I think there is a big question as to, I mean, you'd love to get some scoring from the uh, from the bottom six. Um, but first and foremost, you want to just have it be a push. And uh, listen, the Lowry line is, has tough matchups, and they continue to be thrown out there. And, um, you know, I'm not expecting a ton of offense from them, but if they can just stay even against top competition, that's great. The one thing I will say about the fourth line, Brandon, is that, and I'll give Scott Arneal credit for this, he has not been afraid to throw them out in some pretty high-leverage situations in games so far, especially... You know, in that game against Colorado, like when the Avalanche were caving the Jets in and scored those goals, and we've all been there before saying, oh, my God, this is just going to snowball out of control. There was Gus out there with a strong shift with the fourth line getting it done um, and as well playing in the final minute of the game. We hadn't seen that before. Um, and then, of course, we saw Axel make his debut last night, and he nearly scored great speed right now. Yeah. Um like, I'll say this, I think we need to see more from those lines, especially the fourth line, but I am optimistic with the way that they've acquitted themselves so far in the time that they've played, but also the confidence that the coaching staff seems to be giving them to get out there at times where historically they would have been stapled to the bench. Yeah, yeah, six minutes a night would have been the norm a year or two ago, right? Now it's, can we get these guys to play eight, nine, ten minutes a night? Uh, I mean, part of it is you have Mr. Brightside on on the fourth line there, and you're not you're not going to hold Sam Gagne back anymore. I mean, he's a, he's still the offensive dynamo that he was <laughs> in, in juniors. There, I've 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 kind of enjoyed watching him play. I've I've always been a fan of of how he of how he sees the ice. But yeah, again, it's not even, to me. It's not even necessarily the players' fault. Like I don't think anybody is underperforming necessarily in the bottom six. I think they're just they are what they are. Like they're going to be defensively conscious. Um, they're they're not going to make backbreaking mistakes or anything like that. But I, I think there's a limit to the offensive skill that they have, and I, I think there's a ceiling to to the production that they have. And look, it, it it was one thing a few years ago when the Jets' top six was legitimately amongst the best in the NHL, where you could say bottom six breaks even, top six outscores everybody, and we're going to be okay. Like you you could have done that three or four years ago. Now the top six, while it's good, is like, where would you rank it? Like, it's I don't think it's a top 10 top six in the NHL anymore. And if that's going to be the case, you need more out of your bottom six. And I don't think the reinforcements have been added there so far. Well, here's the thing. You know what? On, on that, I'll say this. If Nikolai Ehlers is in the lineup and if he's healthy and if everyone's there, I mean, I think that line certainly on paper and, you know, so far so good. I mean, I think can hang with just about any line in the National Hockey League and, you know, is right up there amongst the best. The question mark was how the second line was going to yeah. go. And 
Listen, I've been really impressed with what Wheeler's brought so far, and you've sort of pointed that out. I think Cole Perfetti's getting better and more comfortable each and every game with handling the grind of that role. The guy that's been kind of little up and down so far is Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, you know, Dubois, there was all the baggage with him coming in after the offseason, and, you know, he certainly seemed to put on a brave face. Sometimes, though, he seems to be just doing his own thing. I don't know if you feel that the same way. I mean... Some of the penalties that he's taken, some of the, I mean, you know, negating a power play two seconds in last night, I mean, that's just dumb. I, I don't know any other way to put it. Um, but there still is that edge and that package that Dubois brings that if they can get him kind of playing his best, then I think the Jets' top six actually can match up against against Moth because the big questions were Blake Wheeler and Cole Perfetti, and so far so good, I think, with both of those guys. Yeah, no, I mean, it was funny. In the first period against Vegas, uh, there was an instance with Dubois, and it kind of mirrored what I had seen through three games. And I I, I wrote down to kind of define Dubois' game. You got to get your head out of your rear end here. And then he goes ahead and scores the next shift. It's like, oh, okay, maybe maybe he did. Maybe (laughs) maybe we're going to be okay. So it's tough, right, because it's, it's so early. And so all we have so far are these four games, and and, and like, I'm guilty of it too. Like you want to make sweeping declarations and defining judgments on on what this team and what certain players are right now, um, but I I I gotta be honest, I'm pretty concerned about Dubois right now because I think I think your assessment is is spot on that you're you're watching him out there, and for large chunks, it's just what what are you what are you doing? Like are you are you interested? Are you are you ready to go? Like, I, I hate to say it, but it's like, is this? Are we getting Columbus two? Are we getting the shift two point Like, what's what's going on here? Um, and then you have the penalties, which were a problem last year. Right? I mean, I think he led the league in, in minor penalties and, and was pretty close, if not over a hundred penalty minutes on the season. He was. He also drew a ton last year. Yeah. And no better example of that. I'm still laughing about the coincidental holding minors. That Dubois and that guy took and call it out. Like, I, I mean, we joked yesterday, like, we'd have to talk to Elias as to when the last time coincidental Never. holding penalties were called on the same guys. Yeah. But that was just sort of the, the give and take of Dubois because when he's on his game, when he's crushing the net, when he's playing big and strong the way he is and, you know, having confidence with the puck, he'll draw his fair share of penalties, um, you know, with the other opponents. But he's also getting the referee to put his arm up as well. And, as we know, especially as currently constructed, you cannot be given freebies, especially to teams like the Colorado Avalanche or the yeah. Vegas Golden Knights, as the Winnipeg Jets are presently constructed. Yeah, even with Connor Hellebuck in net, and even with Neil Pionk at four on four. But yeah, they'll <laughs> they'll kill you, right? And and that I mean, the penalty against Vegas is so brain dead that you like it's it's benching benching worthy. I I just I really really dislike that penalty. But like, there's a give and take too, though. Like I I can. I can stomach if, if Dubois is out there and he gets a roughing penalty in front of the net or it's a goalie interference in front of the net or, you know what, he, he bashes a guy along the boards and he gets like like almost like physical-related penalties. Like I can, I can handle those and maybe trying to get him to turn the intensity down a little bit to a point. But for me, we, we haven't seen that guy yet this year. And, and the goal was great and, and maybe that kind of kickstarts his game, but... If, if you're going to take penalties, you know, make the opposition pay for them a little bit as opposed to, to kicking the skate out two seconds into a five on four. By the way, PLD's been lurking in the chat, has not said anything until this has come up. 
Peel Diaz says, Dom, sure. Okay, watch Saturday. And then he's done with this. I'll score Saturday. See you all Monday. PLD, okay. we will be here. Be more than happy to eat our words. Yeah. Um, hey, just quickly, uh, quick look ahead. I mean, uh, what do you, uh, when you think about this matchup tomorrow against the Jekyll and Hyde Leafs team that's lost to a couple of real bad teams and a nice win last night, um, as currently constructed, what are the keys for the Winnipeg Jets to uh, get the result that they want in front of the home fans tomorrow night? You know, I I think you know I've been a pretty big defender of the Maple Leafs over these past few seasons. I think I'm ready to jump ship. <laughs> I I don't like that group of players anymore. And I I I think look, you got a real fragile group on your hands, I think. I think you've got a coach and a GM, but you know, specifically with the game day uh, you know, with, with with the game day roster, I think a coach that knows he's on a massive, massive hot seat right now. I wonder if there's a bit of a disconnect between, you know, him and, and some of the elite guys on the team when you call them out and then walk that back less than 24 hours later. It, it's just kind of a stinky vibe out there in Toronto. I, I think, I really do think this is a team the Jets can can take advantage of. And they've played Toronto pretty well at at home in the past and especially in in some of these primetime games. So I, I, I think I think it'll be a beauty. But I, I'm more concerned about this, honestly, from a Toronto side of things than I am a Winnipeg side of things. I, I don't think the Jets are going to self-combust in this one. I Honestly, man, I am not going to be shocked. We, I talked about this in, in our episode uh, that came out this morning. And, and my, my little brother asked me, you know, coaches on the hot seat, things like that. I'm not going to be shocked if we see Barry Trotz coach the Maple Leafs at some point this year. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. I, I really like... Hey, if you want... I don't know how many guys that are going to turn down $10 million to coach for about 50, 60 games, something like that. Um, but I'm just not going to be shocked if we see the Leafs pull out all the stops this year. I, I don't know if Keith is is the right guy to try to lead a talented but uh, certainly flawed core there. So I guess positives to look forward to. The Jets have a history in the past of being coach killers. Maybe if they turn it up to 11 on Saturday... The Toronto Bay Police are the latest victim of that. Well, and speaking of PLD, who was just in the chat, said, I'm scoring Saturday. I'll see you all Monday. We also remember his head-to-head battle with Austin Matthews, yes. and I would love to see that matchup tomorrow night, and hopefully Rick Bonus will uh, go that way, assuming that he's back on the bench. Brandon, always great having you on the program. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Beauty. Sounds good. Have a great weekend, everyone. Good, good stuff, folks. Uh, check out the new Skates and Plates out now, and uh, make sure you subscribe and follow Brandon as well on Twitter at Brandon Rewicki. All right, Marble's coming up. You know what's up on Friday afternoon, uh, but we're going to talk a little NFL right away. Big news last night in the league from Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Before we do that, no Bombers this week, but they're back at it. Final regular season next week, and then the West Final on November 13th. Tickets on sale now. Get them while you can. And make sure to plan to check out the Princess Auto tailgate zone before all Blue Bomber games. It's been the place to be. An incredible atmosphere all season long. $5 beers, $3.50 popping hot dogs, DJ finesse spinning, prizes from the Princess Auto crew. Make a point of being there. And of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique sort of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new, is at Princess Auto. Two locations in Winnipeg, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. 
And, uh, of course, our friends at Culligan Water have been with us uh, for a long time and continue to do so. And they've been with Manitobans even longer, 65 years in the water game as the go-to specialist for all things H2O. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them at uh, 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give them a call at 694-5180 and check out all their products and services for you, your family, for the home, cottage, or business online at drinkculligan.com. Hey, uh, getting into the weekend, we know everyone likes us, mind uh, tipping a little of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. But for you whiskey lovers, a very limited drop. The final, fifth and final release in the Canadian Club Chronicles series is coming up on November 5th. The Canadian Club, 45-year-old. It's going to be released at the Manitoba Liquor and Lottery Spirits of Distinction release. Only 80 bottles are going to be available in the province of Manitoba, retailing at $449.99. If you are a whiskey lover, be sure to keep your eyes out to Manitoba Liquor Marts for one of the 80 bottles of the 45-year-old Canadian Club being released very shortly. And hey, uh, got a chance to... uh, I didn't go out to Boston Pizza last night for the game, but I did watch the football game at home, then went and picked up the pizza flights... Love the pizza flights. They're on special and on featured right now on the fall menu. Uh, And it's a great thing to add for you and the gang when you're getting together at Boston Pizza to watch NFL football. And while you're there enjoying beer specials and pizza flights, you'll also be entered to win one of two trips to see the Raiders and the National Football League down in Las Vegas. First trip is November 11th to 13th, and it includes airfare, hotel, NFL game tickets, and a bonus Vegas Golden Knights game, and they'll do it again on New Year's Eve weekend. Watch the NFL and enter to win at any local Boston pizza here in Winnipeg, Morden, Portage, Selkirk, or Steinbeck. All right, let's talk a little NFL right now before we drop the marbles. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton joined us now. Saul, what's up? How are you doing? I have to laugh every time you bring me on because you start doing these pizza commercials and it's lunchtime back here on the West Coast. How dare you do that? And I I chuckled. You did your sales pitch for Culligan. I started in radio as a very young broadcaster in Appalachia. And one of the sponsors of all the things I did in small market Appalachia was a Culligan man. So, yeah, I subscribe to all the stuff that you're selling right now how are you boy did we have a thunderbolt of a story overnight we got big games this weekend and what a week of controversy at the league owners meeting well for sure hey listen just before we get to the national football league i can't not ask you about the baseball playoffs with the padres in the nlcs uh what's the vibe like there in socal with the, the padres without fernando tatis battling for a trip to the world series Four hours from now, they play the Phillies in Philadelphia series tied 1-1 next three, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Philadelphia. It won't be easy. Citizens Bank ballpark is a bandbox. Phillies just hit home runs after home runs. Padres going with their big game pitcher, Joe Musgrove. Uh, took me two days to get my ears to stop ringing uh, after the games against the Phillies and prior to that against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Nobody saw this coming. This team is hot. This team is healthy. And those are the things you need to be in the playoffs, whereas the teams they beat, the Mets and the Dodgers, were not. And that's why those guys are on vacation. So 
who knows where this goes? I mean, it, Hustler, it is stunning to think a team that lost 34 games to sub-500 teams this year and a team that was sub-500 against the good teams in a league is three games away from going to the World Series. Go figure that out. But you're hot, you're healthy, that's the right time, and Padre Baseball's just taken over this time. Well, I hope we'll uh, hopefully we'll be able to keep talking about the Padres next week when you jump on with us. But let's get to the NFL. Listen, Thursday Night Football, we actually had some points. Um, there was a few touchdowns. Those had been endangered species on primetime as of late. But what stole the show last night was not anything that happened between the Saints and the Cardinals. It was what happened between the Carolina Panthers and the San Francisco 49ers. Christian McCaffrey traded to the Niners for a second, a third, a fourth pick around picks this year, a fifth round the following year. They didn't get the number one because they didn't have one. And the Niners have essentially spent all their draft capital into Trey Lance and Christian McCaffrey. What's your take on the deal? How big of a risk is this from San Francisco's standpoint? And is this what Carolina needs to do with some short-term pain for long-term gain? Uh, word on the left coast is gamble. Word on the east coast is fire sale. David Tepper's a very impulsive owner in Carolina, made a terrible mistake in the hiring of Matt Rule as their head coach. He's on the hook for four more years of that contract. They got virtually nothing left on the roster because they also traded Robbie Anderson on top of this trade of Christian McCaffrey. So fire sale underway, stockpiling a lot of draft picks. We'll see what the organization does with those draft picks going forward. John Lynch Jr., the general manager of the Niners, thinks they have to win and they have to win right now. They got a really good defense. They got an unbelievably physical offense, but they've been beset by a lot of injuries. They've pushed all their capital to the center of the table. Not only did they trade these four draft picks to get Christian McCaffrey, who's a great talent, but is always hurt. But recall this, you know, a year and a half ago, they traded three number ones to move up on the draft the quarterback, Trey Lance, who's still not on the field. So, I mean, they have no draft picks in the future, so they have to win right now. Uh, McCaffrey has played the equivalent of four full seasons, but he's missed 23 games in the last two and a half years. He's a tough guy. He's a really good talent. He's just been played because he keeps getting banged up. The difference is going to Frisco. It's not going to be just him against the world because in Carolina they had no offense. And he ran the ball, ran the ball, and then threw the ball, threw the ball, and he was the focal point of everything. And he got hurt. They kept getting hurt because there was no supporting help. And now you got you got Christian McCaffrey, seventy three hundred all-purpose yards in the equivalent of four years. You got him. You got Debo Samuel. You got the great tight end. You got the other wide receiver Ayuk, and you got Jimmy G. Now they need to keep their offensive line on the field because they continue to have nagging injuries in the offensive front, but they're right there. And we know one thing about San Francisco. You go play them on any given Sunday, you are going to get punched in the mouth. They might be the most physical football team there is in the league. And add into the equation, Kyle Shanahan, like father, like son, they want to run the ball. And they want to throw the ball to their running backs. And then they're going to attack you down the field. So I think this completes the puzzle for San Francisco. They just need to hope that they can keep McCaffrey healthy. He gets a, a huge salary cap bump next year, although his contract will not be guaranteed going forward. Very affordable acquisition right now, but a very pricey acquisition down the road in terms of all the picks they gave up. So yeah, you're correct. They paid an unbelievable price. And if you couple that with what they paid for Trey Lance, got to win, got to win right now. Now they got him. So the Rams did not get him. 
and they got him so that Buffalo did not go and get him. So McCaffrey serves San Francisco in a lot of different ways. Well, I just you mentioned the Rams. I mean, they're in the division right now, and the Rams are the, the Niners are the clear favorite to win the division, even at the record that they're at right now. But um, listen, I know they beat the Panthers last week, um, but it doesn't seem like they're headed certainly to the heights that they had last year. How active do you think they might be on the trade market, and how concerned should people around LA be about the Super Bowl champs? They should be concerned, and I'll tell you what, Sean McVay is probably concerned. The general manager, Los Need, needs to be concerned. They could not execute a trade to get McCaffrey because they don't have any currency left. You know, they've traded all their future draft picks. Must be something in the water in Los Angeles because the Rams have done it, and the L.A. Lakers have no first-round picks till 2027. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they, it's a big issue. They traded to go get star talent in L.A., they sign them to hefty contracts. They're choked by the salary cap. They have no future number one draft picks. Uh, and they did win a Super Bowl. Uh, this is all kind of circled back to them now, Hustler. They've lost six offensive linemen with injuries this season. Six. And their star left tackle, Andrew Woodworth, future Hall of Famer, retired. Matthew Stafford can't throw the ball deep. I tend to think that they're just not telling us everything about the ongoing elbow issue. They can't run the football at all. They're trying to get rid of their second-round draft pick, Cam Akers, who is supposed to be the guy, and the guy is not on the same page with that coach, and now he's not even working out with the team. Uh, they traded Robert Woods. They did not re-sign Odell Beckham yet, and I don't think they can because other people have now jumped in on him. And suddenly the Rams are Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and hope the defense can hold together on the field. That hasn't happened. You know, the games they've lost, they have gotten mugged. I mean, they have gotten pounded. They've gotten taken to a back alley and beaten badly. Just not the same Rams team. And now, Hustler, there's no way for them to get better because they got nothing left they can trade, and they are capped to holy hell. So uh, Super Bowl time, it was pretty good, but they look, they look like a middle-of-the-road team right now going in the wrong direction. Denver Broncos fans would probably happily take a middle-of-the-road team right now because the Broncos have been an abject disaster um, on the field, on the sidelines, Lee, um, it hasn't been working for Russell Wilson. Nathaniel Hackett seemed completely overmatched as a head coach. Um, what, should, what do you make of the, the Denver Broncos situation, who, by the way, are in a pick em at home to the New York Jets this week on home field at Mile High? Who saw that coming? Yeah, you got two teams going in opposite directions. Big, big issue. Uh, I feel really badly for Russell Wilson because his team has collapsed around him. He's playing hurt. He's got a, a, a bit of a torn labrum. He's got a hamstring that he injured in the game against the Chargers last Monday night. All of his wide receivers have been hurt. You know, on paper, when they went to training camp, he said, this guy will be the difference maker. Because the one thing they've not had since the Peyton Manning days is quality at quarterback. And I thought walking in the door with him throwing to Jerry Judy and him throwing to the other high draft picks and the tight ends that they've drafted, I thought this would work. And every one of those wide receivers has been hurt. They just lost their left tackle, Grant Bowles, who had kind of grown into, he was a number one pick, grown into being a really solid guy. Uh, they lost the, the tough guy running back, Javante Williams, gone for the year or torn knee ligament. So offensive side of the football has been shredded, and, and now Russell Wilson has taken a beating. The shame of it all is their defense really plays hard. They stood in there and they slugged the Charger quarterback, Justin Herbert. Uh, the Chargers became nothing but check down Charlie in that game last Monday. You know, five-yard passes out in the flat, dumping runs and completions. I mean, it was amazing. 
Uh, but Denver just has no offense. And right now they don't have any players and they're complicated at all. Uh, you got this clown car head coach who just is just overwhelmed and overmatched. And I don't understand how an organization, George Payton had a good reputation coming in as a general manager and had done some things in terms of the draft. I don't understand how he decided that Nathaniel Hackett was the right guy for the head coaching job. Hackett just looks like a deer in headlights. He just totally looks lost. You know, Lee, I almost think that it was tied into their original flirtations with trying to get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you know, the OC I mean, in Green Bay, and then obviously that didn't happen, and they pivoted and made that huge, huge deal. I, I got to tell you, at least right now, and again, it's early, six games into the Russell Wilson era. But if things continue on the path they are for the Broncos, and you see what's happened in Seattle this year, that could go down as the biggest and most larcenous trade in the National Football League, maybe since Herschel Walker. Well, I don't know if I'd reach that far. Get a separated <laughs> shoulder reaching that far, Hustler. Um, you know, Ru Russell's taken a pounding. And there were splashes where he looked like that was Russell Wilson in Seattle last Monday night. He moved the pocket. He ran some. He created some plays along the way. But at the end of the day, over four quarters in all those possessions, they, they just could not move the ball with any consistency. He went, uh, I think it was five for 18 in the second half of that game, throwing the football. Russell Wilson, 5-4-18. So I just think it's a byproduct of all the injuries they've had. And then obviously garbage play calling. And, oh, God, if I was doing a talk show in Denver, I'd be getting sued for sure. But uh, just – and that's such a great football city. Uh, Geno Smith, yeah, he's playing well Seattle. Uh, actually, the Chargers are going to play Seattle this weekend. Seattle's not playing a lick of defense. So Geno has to throw for 315 every week. And – they don't have any running game because they lost their heavy duty back Rashad Penny. So I don't know that Seattle is, is going to be the team you think it's going to be. And boy, poor Russell. I, I just feel bad because I think he's been such a soldier and such a really dynamic player. And you hate to see this happen to a, a just a quality, quality guy. You ever seen Tom Brady as cranky as he's uh, seemed the last little while? He's at war with everybody. I don't think he's, I, at this point, I don't think it's a public war with the play calling on the offensive side of the football in Tampa Bay, but he, you know, the, the public verbal lashing he gave to all his offensive linemen, that was kind of intriguing to see because there's hype mics everywhere on the sidelines, and he did not think this thing through. He's going to lambaste his guys. I think the other factor, and he's frustrated, but, you know, he, he doesn't have any of his wide receivers. I mean, when you don't have Michael Thomas and, and uh, the kid from Penn State, Chris Godwin, has been in and out of the lineup, and, you know, Cameron Brait now has a second concussion, and there is no Gronk, and they got rid of one of their running backs and Ronnie Jones. So there's a lot of the pieces around him aren't there. But the other factor is, and I, I don't know how to gauge this impact, but he was gone for the 10 days uh, in the third week of training camp, which I think is a bit of an issue. That's a personal situation. I understand that. But, you know, last Friday, he did not practice because he was not there. And Saturday morning, he missed the team meeting. He was not there. He was in Boston at Robert Kraft's wedding. Think about that. In the midst of important games, in the midst of trying to make your team excel, he's taken time off from other things. I'm kind of surprised that Todd Bowles uh, would sign off on that. And Brady's kind of really steamed at the media. And I, I, I sense a little bit that he's got a right to be upset. I mean, the reporting they're doing on, quote, his divorce, that's a personal matter. I mean, if this were a public record thing where there had been domestic abuse or there was 
the malfeasance, if there was refusal, child support, I, and it became litigation. I guess you'd understand covering it, but just covering in depth who the defense lawyers are and who's going to prosecute this divorce case. That to me seems to be a little bit, a little bit over the line. And that's coming from a talk show host who's never afraid to talk about everything. But uh, yes, he's got got a lot of issues going on there in Tampa Bay, but they still got a whole chunk of the season. You have to get those wide receivers and throw out this tight end situation, get those guys back on the field. Well, good thing for uh, Tampa. They have what's remaining of the Carolina Panthers to uh, meet them on the uh, the schedule this week. Hacksaw Sports Equinox yesterday, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League. I imagine LeeHacksawHamilton.com and the podcast that you're doing are even more packed than usual. Fill people in on what they can get over at the website heading into the weekend. Manitoba, if you like sports, you need to check my website because it's loaded every day. I don't know how many stories I wrote yesterday. But you count them up. I bet, I would bet there must be 95 different things on my website. It's all written. My best 15 minutes in radio and Hacksaw's headlines. And then I write a column. And I have this, this I'm going to preface this by saying it's your bleeping fault. I have this podcast that's just exploding on the West Coast. And it's your fault, Hustler, because you and Mikey told me how to do it. And I'm doing it right now. I don't know what I'm doing, but it's working. But check the podcast. You can subscribe to it. We post it every Thursday. We do some bonus podcasts along the way. And you are right, Andrew. I am bleeping brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you're the best, Lee. Thanks for doing this, folks. Make sure check it out. You can check the podcast at LeeHacksAhamilton.com and give Lee a sub on YouTube for you YouTubers that are with us live. Uh, Lee, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Next week, beer Friday. Hey, Culligan, man. Take well. Have a great sports weekend, Andy. <laughs> Thanks so much. There it is, the legend himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Always our favorite 15 minutes here on a Friday afternoon. All right, let's get Remus back in here. I do have to get to the cool bet lines, but uh, Remo, it's Friday. You know what that means. Uh, what do we think about... Uh, by the way, are you getting bullied by the chat today? Yeah, I'm getting bullied by them. They're hurting my feelings. This is outrageous. People, he's got a lot. He's a lot, got a lot going on right now. You need to have a little compassion for the CTO that makes this ha this show happen each and every day. And more importantly, also makes the marble race go every day. So if you want marbles, be a little nicer to the guy that's controlling the operation here right now. What do you say we... Uh, open up registration for marbles right now and then i'll get into the cool bet lines while people can uh, sign up yeah people seem to be putting it in anyway so if you have put it in well it's not going to count so give it a second here uh there we go you know how it works folks uh, check open. the uh uh check it is okay as of right now the marble race is open there is me is first in johnny aladdin dunk dynasty uh if you're new here uh, don't go anywhere. Go into the chat. Put in exclamation mark marbles. You'll get a marble. It's completely free. And we will uh, drop them. And we'll see who our Friday winner is. And hook them up with a uh, hoodie from our friends at Canadian Club. And, of course, a collab with uh, your boys right here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Exclamation mark marbles in the chat. While you do that, let's take a quick look at the cool bet lines. Uh, slower night in the National Hockey League after a busy, busy one last night. You got the Battle of Florida. I believe this is Paul Maurice's first visit with their arch rivals, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Should be a good one tonight. This is a straight-up pick. Minus 109 for the Lightning, minus 109 for the Panthers. 
be looking forward to seeing how that one looks with the uh, lightning. That's a good game. Yeah, it should be a great game with the uh, the lightning coming in. Of course, the Panthers defense really banged up right now. Um, but so many new players from last year's. This would be a very different look for the Lightning Panther rivalry as opposed to what we saw last year. Uh, and we've got the Detroit Red Wings at the Chicago Blackhawks, a little tease. This was my cool bet pick of the day. I like the Red Wings. I think they've looked really good so far this season. 2-0-1 on the year. Blackhawks have one win against the San Jose Sharks. I'm not expecting much from Chicago going forward, so... Uh, I jumped on wings minus 114 and give cool bet Canada a follow on Instagram and Twitter for the daily picks from the lock shop. By the way, our favorite lock shop of the week, the NFL best bets for Sunday dropped a little earlier today. Follow at lock shop bets on Twitter, subscribe to the podcast and uh, you can check it out as well on our Twitter feeds, myself and Dustin Nielsen's final game of the night, Kraken and avalanche abs minus 250 Kraken plus 205 on the road. Major League Baseball playoffs, two games. Uh, well, one game tonight, one game tomorrow. Phillies and Padres this evening. The Phillies, a very slight home dog, plus 104. Lee's Padres, minus 118. And tomorrow, the uh, Yankees try and get back, uh, we'll try and get on the board at home. Minus 141 are the Yankees and the Astros plus 125 on the road. And of course, the entire National Football League slate of games is up for the weekend. We mentioned those Buccaneers. That line was 11 yesterday. Christian McCaffrey since been traded. Tampa now 13 and a half point favorites on the road. A couple of other games that I like. Detroit. Detroit's getting some steam. Got them at seven and a half last night. They're now plus six and a half against the Dallas Cowboys. And the uh, Giants looking to go 6-1, and one, taking on the Jags. Giants are three-point underdogs. Packers, four-and-a-half-point road favorites against the Washington Commanders. And then this game that earlier was a straight-up pick. I'm a little bit better for the Broncos right now. Broncos, one-point favorite at home against the New York Jets. And the game of the week, a little nervous about this one. Chiefs at Niners. Super Bowl rematch of a few years ago. Chiefs, a two-point road favorite against San Francisco and minus 132 on the money line. Tomorrow on the lock shop, we will crank out our favorite parlays for the weekend and drop our special lock shop partner parlay, which you can always find on the weekend over at the Cool Bet exclusives. If you haven't bet at Cool Bet before, Use the promo code WST, get you a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. All right, Reem. Uh, last call for marbles, everybody. Exclamation mark marbles. If you haven't got them in so far, although it does look like we have quite a bit, uh, many entries already. Good luck to all the regulars. Welcome to everybody that's new. Get ready for what should be a fun end to the week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, uh, Let's see, who else do we need to put in? I think we need to give Axel a marble ream, the newest member of the Winnipeg Jets. I think we put him in last week. Oh, did we? Didn't okay, we? he made his debut. Um, I don't remember. Last week's marble race was at the arena, and I was all. That's right. That was a crazy, that was a crazy, crazy, uh, crazy weekend or yeah. crazy day for uh, all parties involved. Um, well, let's get Hacksaw in. Carlo yeah. Koliakovo making his debut in the marble race. Oh, put Carlo, sure. Uh, um, Brandon. Brandon gets uh, gets a marble. Okay, wait one sec. Sorry, I haven't really closed the race yet. Are we putting Axel in? 
Yeah, let's give Axel uh, let's give Axel another one. Axel JF. Okay. Axel JF, exactly. Um all right. Hello. 10 9 8 7 6 5 Last call for Marbles. <laughs> Exclamation mark Marbles. One zero. Pionk. Pionk definitely needs one. Pionky Tonk Man okay. for his incredible performance this week with three goals. Can't believe he's matched his total in 77 games last year, Remo, in the first four of the season. Yeah, I, I was looking at his hockey DB yesterday. And uh, after he's had the two goal game, I was like, oh man, he only had three all of. You know, the past two seasons, each he had three in each of them, and then he had another one equal that. So he said Pionk was going to bounce back, and offense, the offensive numbers are certainly there through four games of the season. Well, Rick, uh, Rick Bonus said our D is coming, and um, certainly uh, Pionk bought into that. You know what? We got to give one to Bonus, too. Bones to get back on the bench. I think it's only right that Bones gets, uh, Bones gets a, a marble as, uh, as well. All right. Um, all right. Let's get this set up. WST Canadian Club collab hoodie available for our winner today. If you do win, you're going to need to fire us an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Shout out to Tom, who was one of our earlier winners that uh, had a bit of a uh, problem this week. We'll look forward to getting set up with you, Tom, Pie Boy. And um, as I said, we are waiting on Monday. Uh, What's Monday? We're getting the new double XLs. Oh, those. Okay, perfect. That I was also going to say that we are awaiting, hopefully by the end of the month, the new shipment of a new run of Winnipeg Sports Talk New Era hats. And folks, the debut of the Winnipeg Sports Talk toques as well, also done by New Era. They are awesome. We cannot wait to get them in. And uh, you'll be the first ones to know right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, CTO, take it away. By the way, you got to be subscribed to win. So if you are in the marble race, if you're just here, you should do it anyways. Help the fellas out. Hit that red subscribe button right there on the YouTube channel. And for those of you that are listening on the podcast, wondering why are they always talking about the marbles? You got to get in here on Friday afternoon and join us and make sure to hit that red subscribe button and help us grow the Winnipeg Sports Talk channel while you're here. Um, where are we going today, Capitano? Well, we can check, but I think we got to hit the. Oh, meet, exactly. Do you want to the... do it? Let's let's get. And actually, that was one thing that we missed last week with everything going on. So for those of you that have been waiting. For the dulcet tones of one Tristan Rivers music, we can't do marbles until we hit the music. It's All right, 
Marvel's time on WST with the muse of the Winnipeg digital sports team, Tristan Rivers Music, our guy. Um, all right, what are we thinking, Reem? Uh, where, where are we going today for our Friday marble race before we uh, dive into the weekend? Shattered Dreams is the gold dust is the gold dust one, and that was like everyone got thrown over the top rope. So what about the laboratory? Perfect current names. Oh, I'm on me. Uh, this is the current names. Uh, what do we got here? 169 names. Wow, what a nice number of names we got. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. He's here. Oh yeah, Rima, we're look at that. Look look at the screen. Oh, we're doubled up. You oh, and man. I are on the same spot. He's hiding. Hey, there we go. Hey. What's up, everybody? <laughs> hey, how's everyone doing? I'm back here. <laughs> trying to see if I can see if I can keep on trying to out. Hey, I'm back here doing the marble race. <laughs> Fun and games for the easily amused here on on Winnipeg, on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, I'm just talk. here doing this. Oh, that's I so am funny. I am sitting on Remus's lap here. This is uh... <laughs> going on here. <sighs> I'm not sure how that happened, but uh, you can fade yourself out. Maybe bring yourself uh, out uh, the other way, or actually just hang out there for the entire marble race. Who cares? Hey, I'm back. All right, Ray. All right, Hus. <laughs> Let's hurry this up here. I'm just whispering uh, what to tell you before we get going here. Yes. Need some notes. Okay. Oh, geez, that sounds good. This is going to be an even better. Oh, and Tinder Hot rolls in just in time for Marvels. Guess what, Tinder Hot? You're not in. Tinder Hot XYZ. <laughs> no, they're right done. on cue, Atomic Kong. <laughs> Exactly. All right, let's do it. We're going to the laboratory today, folks. 169 marbles in it. First place, WST hoodie. Winner will need to fire us an email. Good luck to everyone. I did see people know our, our daily head-to-head matchup between Ross and Shorn. By the way, I want to give a special shout-out to Ross, who actually was in Nice, France, with his better half, who tweeted out, we're here at a romantic dinner in France, and Ross is watching the marble race. <laughs> he yeah. held it up. So that is dedication to WST. Roscoe, thanks for doing this. All right, good luck to everyone. Um, I thought we were in the laboratory, but apparently we're starting off in the, in the field. This, Here this, we go. This is the laboratory, but I guess it's the... Uh... Agriculture lab, seemingly. Hey, hey, we're here on the prairies. Eggs, very important to Manitoba. We're here for it. Um, let's do it, folks. Great week. Thanks for being with us. Make sure you're subscribed so you can win. Let's drop the marbles on a Friday here on WST. What? Uh, have we done this one? I'm not sure. Bones with a big start right there. Rick Bonus out of the gate first. This would be an incredible, incredible, uh, it would be a great sign for both Bones and the upcoming weekend, and most importantly, the game tomorrow. We're going to beat, win one game all year, make it against the Leafs at home. So our placed marble for Bones in first right now, a great start. He's been, he's been resting. He's been recuperating. He's ready for the marbles. Oh, taking these, uh, listen, this is a huge performance by Bonus so far. What a story this would be if Rick Bonus went wire to wire, winning the marble race in the laboratory as he looks to make his debut behind the Winnipeg Jets bench tomorrow against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right now, Bones is in first place, but this is the, uh, oh yeah, everyone gets held up in this sphere in the laboratory. 
But Bones is out first before everyone into the funnel. Seen a few people get thrown over the top rope, I do see, but not the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, Rick Bonus. although still having a little bit of time trying to get through this funnel. All right, this is a very difficult oh. one. Bones gets through. Bones gets through. This could be wire to wire. Head coach of the Winnipeg Jets getting ready to join his team tomorrow. Could it be? Uh-oh. Bones is getting thrown backwards. We've got, we, he's got some company right now, but he gets through first. Bones is in it. Will it be Rick Bonus the winner? Yes. Coach Bones wins the marble race. That can only mean good things for this season, for Rick Bonus, and for tomorrow's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to have to get Bones a hoodie. I mean, I don't think there's any other way around it. A special presentation, maybe, at at a Canada Life Center for Bones. Hopefully a gift, a congratulatory gift for two wins this weekend. One in the WST Marble Race and two tomorrow night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Remo, that, that's one of the most all-time memorable races we've ever had considering we did the Get Well Bones Marble and he came through with the win over 168 other marbles. Wire to wire, our first guest marble win. Pretty incredible. I thought at that last uh, that last obstacle, I wasn't sure if he's going to make it through. It got knocked around it a little, but good. came out. It did not look good. Um, I guess we'll have to call the Jets and tell them and arrange a meetup where you can present him with the hoodie. We'll have to get the size. Yeah, could be a real historic WST moment. This is this is great. Oh, it's true, Yak Man. Great, great suggestion in chat for the members. We need to uh we need a bones emoji, I think. There it is. Winner. B bones. Bones. Congratulations yes. to Bones, Rick Bonus, Winnipeg Jets head coach. Hard to believe he won a WST marble race before he won a game on the bench of the Winnipeg Jets this season. To but be that fair, is just the way that it's all happened. To be fair, we have put him in the race like pretty much every week since he's been hired, I think. Quite a yeah, quite a bit. So he's you know, he's probably been in maybe two or three, but um tell you what, there's a lot of people that have been in dozens that have never even sniffed the top ten. That's true. So a historic win. And I think this might be our first like guest marble victor victory. So um Never You'll all it. remember where you were, folks, when Rick Bonus Bones won the WST Marble Race here on October 21st of 2022. As they say, I hope that's a good sign for tomorrow. Uh, Got to beat the Leafs. Got to beat the Leafs. Um, well, that was a hell of a way to finish the week, everybody. Chat seems to be loving it. Yes, the WST Marble Bump. Exactly. We'll have to get him on the show. We'll come down. Maybe we'll record it, a special presentation. We'll chat with Bones about how he's doing and then hand over the marble to him after uh, an inspirational victory. I think that's the only way we can describe it. Congratulations, Coach Bonus. Good luck tomorrow, and good luck to the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow. Um, great week today and real fun show. If you pop by later on, looking ahead to tomorrow's game, Get back to the start of the show. Carlo Koliakovo came on with us. Great insight as to both the Leafs and what he's thought about the Jets so far and tomorrow's game.
course, great Jets conversation with our guy Brandon Rewicki as well. And uh, nobody, nobody more popular in the chat than our weekly visit with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton with the NFL Notebook. Uh, Remus just going to roll through the list in case you maybe had a side bet with a friend as to who was going to finish first. Hopefully there might be some people getting out of work early based on the results today. And uh, then everyone else that got DQ'd yesterday or thrown over the top rope. Ooh, Pionky Tonk Man got thrown over the top rope, as did Axel JF. Uh, well, the story of the day, of course, Rick Bonus, a historic win in the marble race today. Uh, congratulations to everyone that played. Shout out to everyone. Rest of the top 10, Bones, Dale Barazuk, John Elliott, Jay Miller, Kitty Pup 1000, David Asplin, Ken 007, Bullish Bradley, Winnipeg Walker, and Robert Palmer. Um, well, I don't know, Reem. I mean, I think we should give it to, to Bones. I mean, this is sort of a special historic uh, historic win for Bones, I think. And we only have a few. So I think we will do that. Dale, if you want to hit us up, we might be able to do something for you as well. Uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. Um, that's going to do it for us. Remo, what do you think? Win tomorrow night? Well, after Rick Bonus just won the marble race, uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think it's pretty much guaranteed now. Let's see. Do we have a line yet for that game yet just before we go? I don't think so. Let's just see. Jets and Jets plus 118, Leafs minus 139. So a little home dog. We always like those. Um, anyways, we'll hit that tomorrow. Maybe have a little bit on tomorrow's Saturday lock shop uh, on tomorrow night's game. We certainly will get to our favorite parlays for Sunday in the National Football League. Uh, all right, gang, that's going to do it. Fun way to end the week and end the show. Thanks so much for being with us. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, where they can find us. Subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform. Have a great weekend. Certainly a ton of sports to get to, and we'll break it all down with you on Monday. Looking ahead to the Bombers' final game of the season, and it'll be a game day as well with the St. Louis Blues in town on Monday night. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great night, everybody, and a great weekend. Thanks for being with us. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.